Freddy's means Fred Myers. I always have to remember when people are new to Portland that I can't assume that when I say Freddy's, they'll know what I'm talking about. And it's funny that I should do this to someone else because the same thing happened to me when I first did Portland. Yeah. Why is that reached, I've reached the point now where there are people who are new to Portland where I am the established Portlander. Well, you've been here for what, like seven years? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird, though. Because, like, so it, it, Oregonians have this thing where, like, true Oregonians, true Portlanders. Portland, more so than any other city I've ever been to, has this sense of the quote-unquote natives. And because well, most it's weird people... because there's so many people expatriated yeah. from other places here yeah. in Portland. Yeah. Like, very few Portland... Like, I only know... God damn it, Bill Mudrin. I can't sit under the table! You also... How long have we been recording? Like, ten seconds? You could have fucking opened it 11 seconds ago. Hey, everybody, this is the Boy Howdy Podcast, where Bill constantly disrespects this you. This is the podcast for Saturday. What the hell is it? September, what, 15th? 15th, 15th. 15th. Man, September's half over. We're two weeks away from Halloween month. We are in fall now. It's starting to be well, fall. Supposedly, all in Portland, did you see what the weather's supposed to be like for the next week? 80s. High uh, in the 80s. It got a little chilly this week. Yeah, it did. We had our first touch of fall. This yeah, week. but wonderful. now it's going to go away for a couple days. I'm bummed. bummed. I, I like that just just in I time for me so to get uh, to get um, uh, air conditioning. That's when the heat wave stopped. Would you get an air conditioner for the house? Like a, like a window air conditioner? No, my new house has air conditioning. Oh, it's central, like central air. Motherfucker. Y'all enjoy I've evolved. I've all beyond. You know what else I have? A freezer. The funny thing is Portland's like is chilly enough for the rest of the year. You're not going to need that again until like no. next August. But for that like month when the rest of you bitches are sweating. Yeah. And, like, you not just missed moving. that month. I know yeah. I did. Yeah. I, and I was spending it in my 110 year old old house. With no with, air. With like the nastiest like where it just absorbs heat all during the day that just radiates it all night when it cools down. It's like, I missed it. Yeah, your new fridge and your new what's it and stuff. And Anyway, and, yeah. going back to our initial point, um, this is the Boy Hattie Podcast. I'm Annie. Oh, God. Bill is attempting to drink rum. I'm still drinking Sean Baca's rum. Dear listener, Sean Baca left some rum and oh, uh, Bill is attempting to I drink it. I still forget the, like, the, the sensation of alcohol. It's not even necessarily the taste, but the burning sensation. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't drink booze, so it's a always big... a new thing for me. Oh, yeah, I can't do... I, I only drink whiskey and bourbon. Why is rum just a mixer? Just Why is it always looked upon it like bad that you're just trying to drink it straight? We've talked about this before, how I am the last person to ask any information about alcohol. Because just between spending the bulk of my life as a teetotaler and then being too cheap to actually go to bars and, and buy drinks, yeah. I have the most limited palate in the world. I drink bourbon and whiskey. That's about it. And now Bill's doing housekeeping. So, hi Bill. Hi, it's a really good podcast. I'm back from Canada. I'm freshly Canadaed. Canadaed. Yeah, this is what happens when Bill has a headache, <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't feel like interrupting you so, all the time. That's and it's I'm nice. You I keep waiting. I'm letting you finish your sentences, and you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Like I don't know I, how to. It's like you're daring me to jump in. Like you, I can't you, handle you're it. You complete a sentence. There's silence until you start another <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Really don't know how to process things. It's like you're, I'm gonna tell my story. It's like you're Robin's parents at the circus before they died, except one of them got killed first, and you're still acrobatic through the air, and you're hoping to get caught by Bill and his squealing. <laughs> but Bill's not there because he's been shot, and you don't know what to do. And you Wait, call your dad. Robin. You said I was Robin. Yeah, but I'm also Robin's mom. I'm very confused. Oh, my metaphors are messed up. Anyway, anyway. so yeah, I think I've told this story in the past. How I, when I attempted to go to Canada um, for the first time, and you're gonna open a bag. 
Oh, you drive me crazy. Just <laughs> do it. I, Bill's gotta be Just Bill. Just do Let it, Bill. Bill be Bill. Um, anyway, um, the last time I tried to go to Canada, I was unemployed, freshly you moved to, to Portland, living on a friend, on Bill and Dylan's sofa, um, um, on a little bit of saved money, and uh, I didn't have a return ticket because the ticket was waiting for me in the train station in Vancouver. I was going to met a, visit a boy. I forgot from you the didn't internet. have a. That was arguably the most damning. The, not having a return ticket. Yeah. Exactly. Well, at the time, like the lady was like, "I'm not gonna let you in. You're going to leave. And when you leave Canada, you're given permission to leave Canada. You're not expelled from Canada. You're given permission to leave. That's how they phrase it." Anyway, and she told me she's like, "The next time you come to Canada, you have to bring proof of employment and proof of residence." So I brought... What a difference seven years makes, yeah. I know, right? So I brought a pay stuff and a car that I was on the title with my wife. I don't know how much more I could prove that I was not a mail-order bride. Yeah. Um, and also the... Was it funny because you still got to see the guy you were going to go visit? I know. I was, like, I was like... With she was his like, wife. With his wife. Yeah. What was really funny was that I was like... They are like, who are you visiting? And I actually... My brain thought, do not say Steve Wolford. Because last time it was Steve... Do you think they can't keep a record? I have no idea. I didn't think I was actually going to be, like, I don't know how in-depth the notes were that she attached to my file or anything I like hear that. Steve has created a new character for you in Adventure Time called, uh, titled uh, Legal Alien Princess. So, yeah, our bro Steve, he's been a dear friend for a long, long time. Um, he went on a road trip with me the first time I went to San Diego. He flew down from Canada to Texas and drove with me and my friend Drew This is another Steve. We got, two, we got so many Steves running around. No, 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 that was Steve Wilford still. Wait, That's why was, I'm saying Steve Wolford. I thought it was with, who's the other Steve from Chicago? Stephen Heinz. Stephen Heinz. Who is not a Steve. He's a Stephen. That's true. Bill. Not paying attention. Anyway. Uh, no, Steve Fascinating Wolford. Fascinating listening, I know. God damn it, Bill. Steve Wolford is a sweetheart. He currently works on um, Adventure Time as a storyboard artist. I got to hear some sweet Adventure Time spoilers. Oh, no. It was awesome. Aw. Anyway. Is his wife lovely? Because that's the first time we've met Leslie. Her. Okay. So we. I went to Canada to see our bros, Emily, Carol, and Kate Craig at wedding. Get, get weddinged. Um, which, by the way, everyone stop having weddings. It was the best wedding I've ever been to. They, they look were the prettiest gorgeous. brides in the world. They were yeah. so happy. It was, the food was perfect. Music was great. Company was great. The oh, It was the best wedding I've ever been to. I'm never going to was a wedding Was it a really small affair? Because it kind of looked There were like 50 intimate. people. Yeah, well, well, yeah that, that's a nice small weddings. little wedding. Yeah. yeah. Danced until my feet hurt. No. Drank until my butt hurt. <laughs> that's all you can say. Actually, that's not me. That was my wife's experience. My wife almost couldn't walk the next she day. She barfing out of rash she, the next day? No, no, no. She danced for like five hours straight. Yeah. Well, my, my wife is a sweetheart, and she's not afraid of dancing. You guys still had to be back on Monday to go to, like, for fully to go to work and stuff. Well, we, uh, we came back on Tuesday. Oh, or we yeah. drove up on Monday. Um, we drove up with our friend Beer Brosgall. It was a great trip. It was such a great trip. Was she by herself or did she put in her fellow too? Um, Jeremy could not come. Her okay. man friend Jeremy could not come. Because so. he's working on a Paranorman too. <laughs> Paranorman too. Paranormaner. Anyway, um, no, it was the best. Hilarious, Annie. Tell another joke. <laughs> God damn Without Bill. my assistance. <laughs> Fuck you. This, this is going to be the episode where Bill's quiet because he got a headache. And then he <laughs> Bill just, has like, a headache. He's just, when you screw up though without assistance, <laughs> he you. What the hell was that? What kind of silence was that? It was it was the, the best. It was the work. nicest trip. Canada, you were wonderful. Canada was fascinating because I don't really think about how much Portland is full of white people, and in particular, Portland no, has Portland's the same fucking milky white has the same five white people that are just skinned differently. Yeah, it's like a video game with you know they're trying to save on the assets, 
And it's, Vancouver, it's really Grand Theft Auto. Vancouver, Vancouver had <laughs> shut up. Vancouver had the best people watching I have ever seen in any city in my life. What kind of minorities they had? <laughs> they had so many Asians. No, they no seriously, like it was just like a great. The Asians were they fucking Indians? Not like the ah la la. No, not the ah, oh, not the Indians. What I was saying. I could say that because I'm like one sixteenth Cherokee, so shut the fuck up. No, Sue, that's what it is. I watch, I watch dances. I watch dances with wolves, and I know it's one. It's either the bad guys or like fucking Chickawa or whatever the fuck, and then there's the Sue, which are the good guys. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's my great 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 grandpa, and then he'd be fucking shoot himself if he saw what his fucking great 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 grandson would be doing today, making fun of powwow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What? Anyway, no, Vancouver had the best people watching I've ever seen of any city. It was the best. Lots of minorities grabbing each other's asses. Well, it was great because there were so many very clearly, like, um, like, fancy white people who were just visiting on their way to, um, uh, cruises. Really? Like, a lot of Brits, a lot of Aussies, like, like 60 plus, um, white hair, genteel. Huh. And, uh, it was great. And then um, it was just like a, the poor most black, interesting then, assortment of people. And then there's poor well, black youth, people not on a cruise. Youth people, like an all like dressed really nicely. Yeah, Portland, Portland's got black people. They're just kind of all so many up people, into the north. That's true. So many people in suits. Like I saw more um, uh, uh, power suits and like uh, what's it called? Like um, uh, when ladies like pantsuits. Yeah. So many pantsuits over the course of two days. I can't wow. even express. These are just people on the street, not yeah. at the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting. I went to the um, museum up there, which is called the Vancouver Art Gallery. Hmm? The Vancouver Art Gallery. Which which is often, when you leave it and you want to go back, you are stamped with the um, the uh, acronym for the Vancouver Art Gallery. That's which is good. Badge. That's not good. <laughs> so I went to Badge. We wandered around Badge. Badge is roomy. And um, very comfortable. It, My wife and I enjoyed warm, our time in but Badge. Not, like, Fetish. Actually, Badge is a beautiful museum. Highly recommend it. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the weird thing about Portland. You think Portland being all artsy fartsy shit, you think it would have good museums. We terrible. ain't got good museums. Bad terrible. museums, really bad. Museums. We got some occasionally like, some good exhibits. Like the Portland that's... Art Museum is like the size of someone's closet, and there's not that much interesting stuff there. Well, I think we've talked about this. It's like the difference between a good museum and a bad museum is a dead rich white person. Yeah, exactly. Which Portland. Which Portland has that, uh, like, once the Nike people die off. <laughs> That's it. Then, then we're, we're going to we'll get a good museum. museum yeah. <laughs> you got to wait for, what's his name who works at Leica with working <laughs> on Paranorman uh, Steve Vera needs, the, Vera needs to Knight. put some poison into Phil Knight's <laughs> coffee, and we'll get a fucking great museum. Holy shit. But Vera's got to get on that. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've made this ricin capsule to give her. <laughs> You gotta put that shit in her in like burrito, and she fucks That'd it up. That'd be like the weirdest murder mystery plot ever. I just wanted a good museum. I don't want, yeah, please. No, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, now no. that I have been oh so no, I tried to cross the border, and sure enough, she flagged my file. What? I spent fifty minutes at the border. Was this because you'd been turned away once before? Yeah. And eventually he told me. I don't know why I well, assumed that, I like, they up, wouldn't even like, pay attention. Well, I didn't even. I was like, did was she just fucking me? I also thought, well, it's been like seven years, yeah. so no. So no, you we get up there. Did not go away. You're so they get our passports yeah. and they're staring at me and they're like, "When was the last time you came to Canada?" And I said what I felt was the accurate answer. 
I've never been to Canada because they wouldn't let me in. But technically, I had entered Canada and then I had gotten well, as far you, as... they had let you out and all yeah, that shit. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I've never been. And they my wife looks at me. And I was like, I don't know, like three or four years ago? I can't remember. No. So they boot me. They He fills out a little form and he goes, park over there. And then go into that building. So I go in the building and poor Vera. Vera's trying really hard to be a cheerleader. Like, who wants to play Angry Birds? Foley just wants to punch a Mountie. She's like, she's like, my, she's my goddamn wife. Let us in. She was so mad. And, uh, um, no, so they interview me and really asking really vague questions. Wow. Sit me down. And then they come back about 15 minutes later, asking the same questions, checking my answers. Um, tells me to go sit down. Come back a third time. And he goes, well, he tells me finally, he's like, well, your account was flagged because you're considered like, I can't remember how I phrase it, but basically like they have no reason to think I'll go back to America. Yeah. Like, well, that's what it was years ago. And so he asked me some further questions. I'm like, Jesus Christ, How dude. How much do you love America? Then they searched my car, which I don't, How like. thoroughly? Well, let me put it this way. Vera had brought some nectarines. You cannot bring foreign fruits into a foreign wow. country. Because um, nectarines will uh, contaminate the, the circle of life up there. Exactly. Right? Well, the idea is, like, bugs are in there. Well, there's no, that. you know, since the natural predators of nectarines have died out. <laughs> In so Canada? the best part is that he needs my keys to search my car. So I pull out my keys, and I'm a lesbian, so I have a tiny little pocket knife on there, like the tiniest little pocket knife, like a one inch blade. Yeah. And he he visibly jumps back and he goes, "Is that a knife?" I'm like, yeah. Well, it's a pocket knife. It's a multi tool. He goes, "Do you have any other knives?" <laughs> I'm like, no. Of course, I have to think for a minute. I'm like, please, fully, please not. Rot a knife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You guys just happened to buy uh, Katie and Emily like a knife set. For well, them. we did right before we left. She did get a really sweet Leatherman from um, one of the VPs in our company as a gift. Like this, na- like really nice Leatherman. But it yeah. has a big nasty blade on it. She almost brought it, and I looked at her. and I was like, "Why do you need it?" She's like, "I don't know if I need to break down a box anymore because <laughs> we're in packing mode." And um, she uh, she was like, "Okay, I won't." And she left it. I was like, as I'm giving him my keys, I'm like, "Please don't have that in the car anywhere." And he then stops and looks at me and goes, is there anything else in the car that'll get you in trouble? Mm-hmm. I'm like, is this the part where I'm supposed to tell you I'm, like, smuggling weed or something? Yeah. No. I'm like, look at me. Like, what do you the think whole, this is leading to? The whole yeah. reason why this scenario is ridiculous is that I'm the most honest, square human being in the universe, and the thought of breaking a log gives me hives. <laughs> so they searched my car, they took our nectarines, and they led us into Canada. So and now he told me that apparently the flag has been lifted, so I can go visit Canada and people watch as often as I want, which I'd like to. I'd love to go back to Vancouver. It was a great. It's a great city. Had good food. There were no reapers. There were no reapers. Though I did stay in a hotel that was in the opening sequence of Mass Effect during the destruction of Vancouver. Man, Vancouver is a weird fucking city because nothing in that city, at least in the part that we stayed in, is old. Like there was no building older than like 1970. Why? I don't know. Did it just get colonized? It's just weird. Like, 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 like in the 60s? Well, I don't know, man. Well, Steve was telling me that it, well, Vancouver, is known as, Vancouver is known as the city of glass. And he always thought because there's all these very clean, modern glass buildings. Mm-hmm. But apparently, like, he saw pictures of old... He went to see, like, a show that was about older Vancouver. And it was because there was neon everywhere. It was, like, tacky neon everywhere. Yeah. But living in Portland, which is filled with old buildings, and working in well, old by West Coast standards. Well, yes. Yeah. I'm, of course. And even then, even then, old As by American standards. Up on the East Coast? 
Yeah, fucking Portland's like been here for like five fucking minutes. Yeah, <laughs> compared to people in fucking Europe are like laughing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Either way, you and your old building from nineteen twelve. My point being is that I'm used to seeing at least buildings from the early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If not the late eighteen hundreds, and we you had to like go down to Gastown to see that. Like most of these buildings are new and gleaming. As we were walking by this beautiful brick building, they knocked everything down, but for like one wall to get away with codes and stuff. Yeah. And then they were putting like this, in this beautiful brick building, like all this detail and terracotta and, and stuff. And then they just got like this glass monster that shaped like a giant glass wave on top of it. Wow. It was the funniest thing. But yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver sounds gorgeous. I've it's never a great been up there. City. That sounds like Vancouver, yeah. Totally going to go back. Toronto was fun when I, when I went to go visit Vera up in Toronto. That was yeah. fun. I don't know why I'm bringing that up because it has nothing to do with you visiting Vancouver. But Canada's, yeah, Canada's Canada. cool. I will go back to ask money. I am so, so the way I went, a friend of mine paid for the hotel as a thank you for watching their child, and then Vera um, stayed in our hotel, and we drove her, so she paid for all the food and gas. So I paid nothing except for admission to the art museum while I was there. It was great. You got free food at the wedding and all that stuff. So I didn't have to worry about any of the twoonies or loonies or whatever it is, so... That sounds like a good time. Great. What else happened? What else? What else? Bill, what happened to you in your life? Man, what did I do this week? Oh, shit, where's my iPad? Um, Bill can't remember without notes. Man, I've been playing fucking Skyrim. Yeah? I lost my. Did I tell you I lost my Skyrim disc? (gasps) Oh, yes, you did. And you asked me if I had it, and also Saints Row. That's a last ditch effort thing. Yeah. Here's the thing I'm not ever borrowing any games from you ever again. Why? Because either I lose them or you assume that I have all your games. I'm yeah! never borrowing from you anymore. Oh, that's right. Because I lent Annie the. Was it the orange box? Yeah, the orange and box. And do you like. Like, you found it like years later under your couch or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, no, I lost my Skyrim disc. It's been like three weeks and I still don't know where the hell it is. I really don't know what the hell. Because I just. Uh, anyway. So I uh, bought another copy off of Amazon for 20 Mm-hmm. Oh, 20 and bucks so, already. Well, the only reason I wanted to play is because they put out the new DLC, yeah. the Hearthfire stuff, which um, I did start playing it. Uh, it took me a while to actually get the, because you fire it up and then a courier comes to visit you and be like, hey, you've got a letter from so-and-so. He wants to yeah. sell you land. And uh, Yeah, I'm sad that it's not quite as open. Like, you can't just go find any old piece of land that yeah, you there's only Well, there's only three cities in the world yeah. of Skyrim that you could actually go visit and build this stuff in. And I hadn't actually been to any of three... Any of those three cities, because like I still said, cracks I, me up. You've not played a lot of Skyrim. Because I've only, only, quote unquote, only have played like for twenty hours, and so oh. like, uh, well, it's weird because what I was, level like, are you? Forty. I just hit. 40. Oh, you were at forty. Okay. Yeah. Why? What's the level cap? I don't know. I'm at like level sixty two. So or I've been doing stuff because you get to a point. I think after forty, it's really hard. I've been to doing. Level. Well, I haven't been doing anything up uh, to the main quest. There's a part in the main quest where was it? Who's the big rebel in the game? Yorif Mulfulson or something like that. Stormcloak? Stormcloak, yeah. He asks you to go find a crown, and that'll be proof that he's going to be the new king. And once he did that, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going adventuring. So that's all I've been doing throughout the whole game. And so, but, like, it took me uh, for a long time. Oh, so you sided with the racist, not the fascist? I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I can't even remember what the hell's going on in the world. It's been... I haven't haven't played Skyrim since, like, uh, February. Uh, So... But I can't figure out how to get this, uh, well, for the longest time, I couldn't figure out how to get this, the Hearthfire content started, because the idea that, like, when you first start, download Hearthfire, the first time you visit a city, you have a courier come up to you and say, oh, yeah, one of these Jarls from one of these other cities want to sell you a plot of land where you could build a house. And, uh, but that didn't happen for me. I had to do a couple quests before suddenly, finally, courier Well, are you up. a Jarl yet? Or, excuse I, me, are you a Thane? I am I mean. the Thane of Whiterun, or whatever that may, major city is. Because I think you have is. to be a Thane of a city to buy property. No, right? uh, you do. 
But according to everything online, uh, regardless of that, you should still, as the moment you walk into a city after downloading this DLC, you'll get a courier saying, if you go to the city and talk to, you know, the y'all, they'll, they'll talk to you about, like, about selling you land where you can build a house. Mm -hmm. for, like, for some reason, like, that wasn't kicking in, so I had to, like, wander around before that actually happened. Mm -hmm. Like, well, so I went off to Dawnstar, which is the closest city to Whiterun. You know, yeah. Whiterun's kind of like the first major town. Like, the first quest you do when you're escaping whatever dungeons, like, in the, yeah. like, the first thing you do in the game, and they direct you to, is it, like, River Run or something like that? And yeah. then the first major city after that is Whiterun. Yeah. That's still been my base of operations for the entire game. Yeah, mostly me, too. And so I looked up on the map, and, yeah, Dawnstar was the closest city where you're supposed to be able to buy land and build a house, so I just went up there. It's, like, up to the north from, uh, from, is it, whatever, Whiterun. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, no, I went there. I was expecting that. At least if I showed up within the city, uh, the courier would run into me there. And that didn't happen. And, and I, well, I went to the local inn. The guy, there's this mad monk there. He's like, oh, yeah, everyone, no one in White, uh, no one in Dawnstar can sleep because there's evil yeah. dreams and stuff like that. So I said, fuck it. I got one off on this crazy quest with him, which actually turns out you need to do that in order to get there's in good with that. There's a huge bug in, in my game. Yeah. Like, as soon as you go, like, you go to that churchy thing yeah. or whatever it is, he disappeared. And I can't I find him. I had a couple bugs in that quest where He's the guy... He's lost in the walls. There's a part where you go into the church with this mad monk guy. Yeah, that's right. You're supposed was. to find a book for him. Yeah. Because, uh, like, he, he's going to develop this potion that lets you enter other people's dreams and memories and shit like that. I found the book, for some reason, wouldn't let give, give me the option to give him the book. So I had to reload. Mm. And even then, when I went into this church, my companions disappeared. Yeah. Which I was kind of freaked out because anytime in any of these Bethesda games, the moment your companions disappear, that's it. you don't want to save because you don't know if when you, like, that means that they're, like, the, the they're, they'll just, they will just disappear entirely yeah. from the game. Which wouldn't be so bad if, if you have a disappeared companion, that means you can't get a new companion because the yeah. game thinks you still have a companion, yeah. companion, even though your companions are gone. Did I tell you at Fallout New Vegas how they got around that bug? No, what'd they do? They, there's a computer in, in one of the hotels where you can basically say, oh, dismiss my companions. Oh, really? Yeah. And, oh. Then, the, and then your companions go back to their starting point. I don't think there, is there anything like that in Skyrim? Uh, I don't think so. Well, the it's computer not developed by the same you. people. Yeah. That's but it just cracked idea. me up that it's like, that was the, that was necessary. <laughs> should be that, like, to the point where like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Be, in Skyrim, there should be a mountaintop you can climb to the top of and just you shout. Showed. I dismiss you. <laughs> go away. Sworn to carry your buttons. Um, so, no, actually, so eventually I did get the courier to show up, and, uh, but then, I, like, I went to the Jarl, uh, I did whatever extra quest you wanted me to do to, to get in good with the Jarl. For people who don't know Skyrim's, the Jarls are the mayors of any specific town that you're in. And so I did that when, it's like, he, like, he was like, oh, thank you for lifting this curse of our dreams here in Dawnstar. Go kill this giant. I went off and killed the giant. My companions disappeared during that quest. I had to reload it so my companions came back. Just just ever since I've, I've booted up Hearthfire, I've, I've, I've run into more bugs in this game than I have oh. all the way before downloading Hearthfire. I'm kind of oh, freaked out. Yeah. So I eventually did buy the land where I can buy my house, but I can't find where the land is. Because like when I he sold me the land, he's like, oh, you can find your homestead. It's south. It's on, it's on the road south of the town of, 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 of Dawnstar. It's right next to this really awesome farm. And so I'm looking for it, and I can't find it anywhere. Well, it, theoretically, it's just a piece of land, right? Yeah, I know, so there's no <laughs> marker there. And I'm like, at least I'm looking for this farm, because yeah. like, my like, little homestead yeah. is supposed to be overlooking this farm, and I can't find a farm. And so I was like, fuck it, I'll play this shit later. <laughs> so Bill basically going to have That's a lot of fun. That's my adventures in Skyrim, where, yeah, like, fun. dodging all these bugs and shit. Like, yeah, that's, that's not bad. It's just, 
And Bethesda, you better fucking fix your games. Put your DLC for the game. Yeah. God, so, but... um, so I finished Sleeping Dogs last night. Yeah, how's that? Man, I love Sleeping Dogs. It's yeah. just, I don't want to... You know what? I, while you're talking, I'm going to actually look up and see how much that costs on Amazon right now. I don't want to oversell it, because it really is just a super competent little game. Because mm-hmm. it's, um, there, there are just some problems inherent, like we talked about this in the Grand Theft Auto formula, that it does a pretty good job of cracking, and all of the extraneous content is pretty fun, and at the point where it's not fun, they give you a hand. Like, for example, like, Grand Theft Auto, all the goddamn Rockstar games have hidden stuff yeah. all around, and a lot of it's in really obscure places, to the point where it's it seems to be like you cannot find this stuff realistically, organically, without yeah. cheating. Well, what's really nice about Sleeping Dogs is that after a certain point, like, you can find these locked briefcases throughout the city. And they're mostly in really, like, intuitive places that you can find. Like, without cheating, I have found, like, I'll say 85% of them. But after a certain point in the game, you they'll actually start showing up in your mini-map. So mm-hmm. if you walk by them, you'll see them. And um, you can pull up your world map and then actually toggle the collectibles button and it'll show you where all the collectibles you've caught collected have been which obviously you can use to figure out well i haven't found anything in this area i should go to explore this area but then you can also like pull up a map online and cross-reference oh that's nice it's actually kind of it's just little things like that and little things like the credits at the end you can fast forward through them which is just a nice thoughtful little thing fast forward well i'm sure you can skip them too well of course but it's nice that game had like the longest most involved music like accreditation like sequence that's i said that wrong um, I've ever seen in a video well, game. Well, a ton of licensed music. Oh, yeah, a lot yeah, of licensed music. Yeah. But it was nice because you could act theoretically fast forward to figure out what songs Man, there's a used copy on Amazon for 36 bucks. I'm tempted to get it. I will finish. I'm just going to finish collecting well, stuff and then I'll loan it to you. you don't have any new games for yourself coming anytime soon, I'm not going right? to replay Sleeping Dogs. But you've been you've been digging the shit out of that game. I, I enjoyed that. That's it the only thing so much. That's like a month now. Wish like, and... Considering this is like the fourth uh, podcast in a row where your big thing is like, I played Sleeping Dogs. Weishan's awesome. I like to play dress up. Weishan is the best. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, you're talking about you're racist because you. I am terrible. Well, I am not. I have not been exposed to a lot to any sort of. Asian you were calling culture. him Weishan. Why? Well, like I called him like Weishan oh, the first time. I the feel fact that bad. You means more than most people going. I like my entire life. I was never really exposed to any sort of Asian culture. Like not not. Not Chinese, not Japanese, not Korean, or anything. Yeah. My, my dad doesn't even like, you know, like, like Chinese oh, no, or Japanese food. Oh, okay. So, like, no, I mean, I That's never the even there. I you were shut say. your mouth. But I'm like, I literally have no exposure. And, like, the area of Portland I had. It's like you grew up on an army base and a whole bunch of different, like, southern and wet, like, midwestern states. Like, I had, I, and I'm so, I feel terrible because I feel you racist. Just in that I'm not, my, I don't know how to pronounce things. I would have rather have you earnestly appreciate Asian culture even if you don't know that much about it rather than be some weeaboo <laughs> who's all true. like trying to tell other people how to speak Japanese <laughs> jerks off with like their, their, their fucking ba- battleship Utina uh, body pillow so you're, 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 on, you're on the side of the angels on Maybe. this one I, I think, think. Weishin is dreamy does that count for anything? I think half the men in the game are dreamy video game yeah yeah, Weishan can join our video game harem, which makes me sad because there is no Weishan actually. Is he actually figure. attractive or is he just an interesting oh, no, character? Oh, he's beautiful. Oh, yeah? He's an interesting character. My only... I don't want to call this a Do complaint. you think Asian men just look like beautiful elven men? No. 
fetishizing that. I do not have uh, uh Is that because you like no one ever makes fun of like ladies getting off on Asian guys because it's always like you know dudes. Jerking I off on I Asian know ladies. two two of my two of my favorite lesbians who live in Ohio have huge crushes on Asian men pretty much exclusively. Oh really? Like pretty much exclusively. They have the most like That's narrow awesome. boner. <laughs> it's adorable. Well, how many Asian men? Well, there are like attractive Asian men, but like you have to like be a fan well, of like Hong Kong cinema or something like that to really get. Exposed to a lot of awesome Asian dudes. I have to work real hard to masturbate. Yeah, well, you, don't see, you don't see that many no. Asian men in like like mainstream movies. Well, it's really America is really weird in the lack of Asians that we have in any sort of media. Yeah, it's and right point. now it's mostly what's his, from a dude I wait Harold and Kumar, the Asian guy from that. He's like this <laughs> the stock between Asian. that and what and Senior Chang from Community. Those are kind of like uh, the I was America's... watching some TV show and there were two Asians on the screen at the same time who did not know each other or were related. Yeah. Exactly, and it was to the point where I was actually like, "Wow, Holy this is really shit. substantial." This is progressive as hell. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it's like watching a TV show in the 1950s showing a woman who's not in the kitchen or wearing an apron. You're like, oh my god, this is amazing. Mary Tyler Moore, you're awesome. My favorite, um, my favorite lesbian movie of all time. I think this gets me some Asian points. My my favorite lesbian movie of all time is actually a lesbian movie about an a young Asian lesbian. Oh, which one it's is called that? Saving that. Face. That's what it is. Okay, Saving Face is so good. I'm glad you didn't say Bound. That's everyone's default. Like, I love Asian porn so much. I d- what? Oh no! Wait, it's, it's not porn. a single Asian in Bound. I did see Bound for the first time recently. Bound is great. I say it's bad. Bound is a great movie. That is movie. like the most stereotypical lesbian thing. I love Bound. That's my favorite film. It's, it's, I loved. Was it Gina Gina Gershon? No, my my wife actually had. Wait, no, is it Gina Gershon? <laughs> my wife saying her so her lips are so hot they can't touch. <laughs> She looks like she has a shellfish allergy, and she just ate a whole shitload of shellfish. No, that's not bad. Bound is a great little crime film. It's like a great film. All I remember the is a lesbian act. shot of that So movie? many lesbians who are just like, just fucking schlick off to that shit. That like, I can't remember fair, anything else about that name movie. Name one other vaguely mainstream lesbian I've movie. seen Bound twice, and they're both with lesbians. And so it's, the I don't remember. The opening shot of Bound is great. What is it? It's like inside, it's kind of, you know, it's in a closet from the inside the closet. It's from, it follows down the pull chain of the light fixture on the ceiling of a closet and into the room. It's great. Is what's it's your name in the closet? Shot. I can't remember now. I think there's a bag of money in the closet. Because I thought at some point one of the girls gets captured and like bound up and like. Yes. Because you know they're playing off. Aren't they in an S&M relationship? Because the whole bound is like Not a double really. entendre like 50 different ways. Because it, I think there's something about how. No, I don't know. I only do it like once. Yeah. I remember. I don't know. I really, I, I was the boring lesbian who watched that movie more for the crime aspects. Not, not and that that's sort what I'm of. Saying. But that was great to see a crime movie with those archetypes and have them be ladies. This lady used a strap on. Strap on's hot. Yes, strap ons are hot. And oh, okay. I don't remember. I, don't think I so. saw some strap on porn this week. This this weekend, I was like, oh, I guess I didn't realize that was a subgenre. Lesbians with strap ons. I was well, like, oh, I guess I could be. Well, a it's kind of like. Well, I never thought about, like, for some reason, I never assumed lesbians getting off the lesbians using strap-ons would be a thing. In terms well, of, like, watching porn with that, It's like... actually really interesting, the, kind of, the politics of it. Yeah. Wait, like, well, like of, of women using strap-ons? Of women using strap-ons. Because some, well, it's some a, lesbians it's a are, thing. are freaked out about it because it's too much like a dick. Yeah. But, but then there are other women who get off on it because it's like, well, it's not a dick, but it's my well, it's dick. It's kind of a power of... Yeah, and exactly, like, yeah. you know... And, Redistribution and, of power. And, like, the, the ability to take it off and, like, different ones, it is kind of like what you, and, It is kind of like a Rorschach test of kind of what you bring to the table, how yeah. you react to shit like that. Yeah. yeah. 
It's really, it's very interesting, because I'll read, I'll read porn online, and it'll be like, the way the writer writes about strap-ons is really fascinating. What, in that, like, you can tell that they actually use them, or? Well, or, like, if they're, if they're into it or not, or they felt like they just needed to enter oh, yeah. it to, like, stamp some sort of, like, get some, like, their To get lesbian their lesbian porn, stu- yeah, exactly. yeah, themed uh, punch yeah. card, yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway, no, I just um, don't understand, because, like, then again, I think about, like, like, as a lesbian, why would I, like, would I want to want to be penetrated by a strap-on? Because it's still just a fake rubber dick. Then I'm like, is it well, more appealing if you're, if you're being pe- penetrated by, a, a, like, a bulging, living, pulsating, veiny dick? That sounds like, <laughs> oh, that even sounds grosser. Like, eh, well, that, then there's all, a guy. Like, there, there are dildos that look like dicks, and oh, then I know, there are dildos yeah. who do not look like dicks. Yeah, that know? look like the fucking Chrysler building or that's something like that. Yeah, exactly, that's a whole other, that's a whole other road to go down. It's almost like people, uh, sexuality is fluid and people react to different things differently. It's interesting, though. It's one of those things that I, I can, I have very, Ooh. I have a lot of difficult. But I had to bring up the classiness of this conversation. Sometimes it's hard for me to talk about sex, obviously, because I'm still, in a lot of ways, a square. But it's always really interesting to me. Like, what, like, the things that people, they're just like, no. Yeah. It's, like, weird. It's weird to them that it's totally natural. You can have two people, people who are almost to have the exact same upbringing and like, yeah. exact same, like, class structure and, like, and two people just reacted, like, arbitrarily to, like, the same sex thing completely different. Yeah. Well, one one oh, person I saw that something... would be their biggest fetish in the world, the other person would be like... Get the fuck away from me. Yeah. I saw something on Reddit the other day, and it could be a joke, but I thought it was kind of great about this guy who grew up a um, fundamentalist Christian. Bill's trying to drink this rum. Stop. Drink your Coke. I'm going to take this away from you. Put this over here. Oh my god, it's like drinking a, a fucking volcano. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, This guy who grew up fundamentalist Christian, and he was told that masturbating was wrong, and that... Um, Mask... Obje- like of looking at looking at women sexually is wrong, so he would just clean himself thoroughly in the shower, thinking about aliens because he thought that's not wrong because it's it's aliens. Hypersexualized. So now aliens. he's like as an adult, he has this alien fetish. And well, it's weird how like fetishes can begin because you're trying to shape your own how your your how your body and mind reacts to like fucking yeah. sexual impulses, and then you end up warping those impulses. Yeah, you end up in a situation where you're like jerking yeah. off the fucking elf. I feel so bad for people with unattainable fetishes. Yeah. It's the most depressing thing in the world to me. I have it easy. I'm attracted to my hot wife. I have it easy because I just like uh, my fetish is uh, being on podcasts with large breasted <laughs> lesbians. <laughs> the moment you leave, I'm just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> really pretty on those uh, photos from the wedding though Thank well that's the, the, that's one of the rare occasions you've been able to go out because you've been experimenting more of being a little ladylike lately mm-hmm. and this is one of your first occasions where you've actually been able to step out and be like yeah, yeah i'm a lady how you doing man i bought makeup i had like eye makeup i had really the nice. well, no, 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 no. I, no here's the thing i had a like all this hair stuff your hair guess really what is nice. packed all of this stuff. It is all in a garage in my garage somewhere in a box. So I couldn't take any of it. I did not have a comb or brush in Vancouver. Did you go to a salon or something? No. You had, you had Edie hair at the this wedding. This is why I love my goddamn hair. My hair does the when I so I tried to grow out my hair and I'm like, oh, I used to have long hair. I'm gonna grow it out and I hated it and I never knew what to do with it. The reason why I love my hair when it's cut at this length, it's kind of like in a bob length, is that it does this by itself. Yeah, it just naturally does this little wavy thing that brings me such profound satisfaction. I don't know why I ever tried to have any other haircut because this is like wash and wear fabulous hair. Yeah, thank you, hair. So you didn't have to do anything to sell your hair for the wedding because it looked like yeah. I stole Vera Brasgall's comb. <laughs> No, but you look really gorgeous, too. And I'm Thank sure you. Foley looked great, but I only saw photos of you and, like, Stephen We did not but... take pictures of ourselves. I'm so mad. I really Wait, hope where that, did, um... where did you get that dress? Uh, Nordstrom Rack. I talked about it on the podcast. It was oh, that one, was the dress. My you were one victory about that's the one... at Nordstrom Rack. Jesus Christ. 
Yeah. That was awesome. Anyway, uh, what else? What else? What else? Sleeping Dogs is great. I finished it last night. The story was really great. My my only thing about it, and this is what I think is interesting about games, I felt the same way about um, L.A. Noir, mm-hmm. where it has a, had a protagonist that I was interested in and I wanted to find out more about them, but by the nature of their character and the nature of the environment they're in, we don't get to know about their inner life very much and what yeah. they're thinking about a scenario. And the way Shen in particular is interesting because he's undercover. So as you're playing the game, he's this undercover cop. You know that he has a vested stake in things that are going on. You never really know his motivation. Like, really. Like, it's it's very clear that he's becoming more attached to these people mm-hmm. and that... But you know, to the very end, you don't know how he's going to react or act, which is very interesting, but at the same time, kind of frustrating. Because like there, we talked a little bit about how there's a primitive dating mechanic in the game yeah. where you meet women and you can go do little missions with them where you basically do things you've done elsewhere in the game. Like you, there's a basic like you take pictures and you meet the tech girl and you go hack with her. And like I met the one of the last hack ladies I quote unquote yeah. dated um, like to go in fast cars. So I take her on street races and yeah. stuff, and and you fuck them, and then you never see them again. And there's no sex mini game or anything. Right? No, yeah. it's all very, very much so off screen. It's actually kind of interesting because basically the way the dates go is you go on the date, and then there's like this ending dialogue, like you're, and there's like little cut scene where you talk and flirt a little bit, yeah. and then they're leaving. And then, like, the, the, the camera kind of zooms out over the city, like, the region of the city that you're in, oh. and it says, like, you know, date complete on the screen. And then there's, like, some dialogue away, Shen going, no way, girl, you come back here, lady. That sounds great. Oh, Aww. Wei Shen. Mm. Oh, you're so, so awesome. dreamy. He is so dreamy. I learned that Wei Shen is an ass man. That was nice. Why? What's he do? There was this great, the one woman that he does not bang in the entire game is Lucy Liu. He chooses not to bang Lucy Liu. Does she have a flat uh, Asian ass? Well, no, it's funny. He says she's walking away, he stares at her ass. So there's uh, this lingering okay, ass yeah. shot. I'm like, wait, Shen is To be fair, almost man. any heterosexual guy is going to be an ass man to some degree. But yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, if you like ladies, what's wrong with ass? What's wrong with bit boobs? It is uh, the fact Why that ass Why limit yourself? A, the fact that ass is a, such... That's where the poop comes from. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I love, a, I love a hot woman's ass, too. It's where the milk comes from. I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> Man, this is this is the dark secret no straight guy will tell you. Ninety nine percent of guys get off on the idea of like milk shooting titties, man. That is a thing. Are you, you get a guy me? drunk enough and be like, man Are you kidding you me? You see a girl with, like, man, you drink from that shit? Like guys were like Man, I've had conversations with guys. Learning the dark secrets of heterosexuality. Why does it make sense? Because, I mean, the psychological appeal of big tits is the fact that, like, oh, that's, you know, she's nurturing, she's got bigger tits, she can feed more kids. It's a fertility thing. Mm. But at the same time, you're thinking, man, I'm thirsty. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying! What was I talking about? Oh, so anyway, sleeping dogs. So with these, at first, at first I was frustrated because I'm like, I want to know what's going on inside his head. Why is he seeing these women and then never seeing them again? I was very frustrated by it. I felt like it was like a mechanic that they hadn't fully developed. Like there's, um, you can wear costumes in the game that give you different boosts, or I should say outfits that give you different boosts. And one of them is there's like a lady killer outfit and it says, like the description is like, you know, it increases your chances with the ladies. Yeah. And I did a date without it and I did a date with it and the results seemed to be the same. So it seems like there was, this game is a very polished game. It doesn't, like, it doesn't ache with, like, chunks that are missing, but you can kind of see these ghosts of where something maybe was supposed yeah. to be sometimes. Like, with that. This one, so. um, United Front Games. I've never heard of these guys. I think they've only done this game. Anyway, really good. Um, well, I know, the, uh, like, Sleeping Dogs has a convoluted development history because it was yeah, going to be a true crime game yeah. and got booted up. 
uh, bump between a, a whole bunch of uh, publishers and yeah. stuff. But the thing is, is like I get that he's seeing these women and then not seeing them again because maybe it's because of the nature of his. He can't get too close to anyone because he's undercover mm. and he's already living the split life and he does he want to be involved with a woman on top of all this. And yeah. It's funny, like all this shit is projecting into it just because I couldn't get into his head, but I wanted so badly to justify. Yeah, you're like, the best. I love it. Like your impulse to like figure out well, like yeah. I want to know about Wei Shen's thoughts and feelings. My wife was making fun of me because I love any video game where I get to read people's email. Yeah. And uh, she would just keep going, you just want to read Wei Shen's email, don't you? I'm like, no, I want to read Wei Shen's secret You know, if you, read out his, if you read his email, you'd find out that he loves titty milk. <laughs> <laughs> Dear diary, my darkest secret, I came to Shanghai for titty milk. <laughs> so speaking of lesbian things, going back to that for a second, um, I'm reading a book. I want to find out if lesbians like titty milk, too. <laughs> no. I can t- promise you, never once have I thought about titty milk. Yeah? No. Oh, man. Oh, a friend of mine, who she, her biggest thing, she actually had a fetish for lactating. She, yeah? Like, for the longest time, she was trying to, like, artificially induce lactation for the longest time. We're talking about Dylan, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day she bumped her head, and that actually started going. It was a terrible thing. Oh, man, with Dylan, with Dylan, I'm walking all the time. She's like, I'm not trying to impress pumps, but don't tell anybody. God! No, I guy... didn't listen to the last week's episode. Does she talk shit about me? Because I no, feel like there's, there's she like, say anything. she's allowed we a certain amount of like, shit about me. We talk about, like, poetry and shit. <laughs> no, but, like, one of my old friends. Well, I'm, like, I'm actually talking about lactating titties. <laughs> no. No! But, like, no. Uh, one of my old friends, she used to be, uh, I'm not going to name names, Dylan. <laughs> I'm not friends with Dylan anymore. I can say that now. We got a huge fist fight right after last week's podcast. No, why is that whole friend for some reason her thing? I, well, I used to have a friend. I pregnant lady walking down the street. You fought her. <laughs> we got a fist fight over who's going to suck from the titty first. No, I, I had a friend who, her big thing is she wanted to lactate. She wanted to artificially uh, induce lactation. She was really honest about it. It's funny because one of my first conversations with a guy about how much guys love titty milk was with her boyfriend. And I was like, what do you think about that? Is that kind of weird? And he's like, no, man, I want some of that milk too. But uh, she just had a baby. And I had to sound like she just posted a photo on Facebook. So that's the first thing that I was thinking about was, oh, she finally got her titty milk again. Dreams come true. Can you imagine with like 18 years telling little baby Bobby that, you know, Bobby, we only had you so that I could suck on your mama's titty. I just wanted to make some milk for your dad. You, you, oh, had, you were her formula baby because all of my milk was occupado. We made some fucking ice cream with that shit. She was vegan, and she really wanted to make, she, oh, she, she, she was hell-bent, she wanted to start a human dairy that would be, a da- like, they would make fucking ice cream and shit with human milk, mm-hmm. which I think people have actually done since then, but yeah. this is like 20 years ago. Yeah. I know some fucking crazy-ass people. <laughs> anyway, so what were we talking about? Anyway, I was gonna start talking about, <laughs> Way Shed's um, Diaries. Books, you know? no. So I started oh reading God. a book. I got this a while ago, we mentioned this on the Isn't podcast for a this is gonna be like really thin and like man, I barely like cow milk. I think some days. that's what's I think people are thinking like it's gonna be like a fucking delicious milkshake. Don't realize it's just like zit juice. <laughs> oh god, that is literally 
the least appetizing. Yeah, like, are aren't his tits like giant like zits that are going <laughs> out of control? Pulsing, anyway. pus filled tits. And if I had tits, well, functioning tits, <laughs> I do have tits. But knowing that, oh man, if the right chemicals happen, like, I got milk shit out of my tits. That's kind of horrifying. <laughs> I like the idea, like pressurized. I know. Well, you know that the nipple is not like like a hose that can be directed; that it's like a sponge, right? Yeah. So really, it's like just like a, a scattered spray right. of milk. Your, 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 your greatest fear is spiders. My greatest fear is waking one day with a woman who gets pregnant and I get my hand cut off so I can't milk myself so my tits explode. Have you ever seen a fire hydrant that's been hit by a car and water's <laughs> kind of going everywhere? That's what it is. That's it's exactly what it's like. White man, and it's funny because this, this is offensive to me. I like the idea that well, yeah. if you're talking to those guys who don't know what the hell they're talking about, they think that women's tits are already filled with milk. They don't uh, understand that like like it's just like fatty tissue and just yeah. like stuff. And they, like they, like I've seen people like I've heard dudes complain about like oh, I just slept with my first lady last or I slept with a bitch. Why I tried to suck on her tits real hard, nothing came out. I'm like you don't know. I actually anyway, not so much. Yeah. Anyway, so um yeah, put some more work into that. If you want to artificially induce lactation, you have to like suck 15 minutes a day or something. <laughs> I know this because I know people. Try <laughs> I was gonna say pills. people, quote unquote, like not the same shit I found out from the internet. But this is like the shit people have told me. Like, not I'm Bill whispering tips under <laughs> Dylan's door at two o'clock in the morning. Suck on your own titty for fifteen minutes a day. <laughs> Ain't gonna work. Tell <laughs> me, I'm Bill Fairy. Anyway, this is terrible. I can't believe you brought this up. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Bill took a starburst and manipulated it with his warm hand. My warm, sweaty, manly fingers. Anyway. Oh my god, I can't believe you talked about this shit. So. (coughs) Jesus Christ. Okay. So, like in May. I don't want to think about any of my friends' breast milk. (laughs) It's funny to joke about it abstractly, but yeah, anyway. Oh, man. Bill, every woman you've ever met who has a child has produced breast milk. (laughs) Think about that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. No. I'm going to continue talking about what I was trying to talk about. Like, back in May, we mentioned, because it was in the news, that Kate Blanchett and, what's her name, Mia Warsharsky? Something. I'm also racist against Russians, everybody. <laughs> Sounds like um, a Polish name. Emilio. I'm even Polish. You'd think I'd do better. I'm oh bad. Oh, my God. See, I'm bad. I don't even know. I don't know. They're in, what's <laughs> next to Europe? Eastern European <laughs> motherfuckers, Hungarian vampires, <laughs> fearful sons of bitches. Something. Anyway, um, so there, there's going to be this movie. This movie called um, uh, uh, "The Price of Salt," or it's going to be based on a book called "The Price of Salt" with Kate Blanchett and Mia About and it was about this. This and I read the synopsis. I'm like, okay, it's about this. Um, these two women um, in the 50s who have a lesbian relationship. And I'm like, yes, I will read this book. Google Mia slash watch this movie. No, it's like Mia. Wish, don't make me feel bad about it. Don't make me feel. Lassikowska. Wa- Lassikowska. I feel worse now. What's she been in? You know, she's go been ahead. in stuff and things. I've seen her in things. Anyway, she's gonna she's gonna rub noses with with Kate Blanchett. And I'm like, okay, I'll read this book. So I get this book, The Price of Salt. What's notable about it is it's written by a woman. In like 1952, mm-hmm. and it's about these women who start a relationship, and it's crazy that um, it's just it's I don't want to call it a romance novel even because it's really, I mean, it's been a long time since I've read a book where all the characters in it are so actively like just lost, yeah. just absolutely lost in their own lives. It's about this young woman named Therese 
who is, um, uh, she moved to New York. She's trying to become a set designer. She's working in this shitty department store to pay the bills as she's trying to make her dreams come together. She has this boyfriend named Richard who's very sweet, but she doesn't really like him. They've had sex a couple times, and every time she does, she they do. She keeps thinking, am I doing it wrong? Is this right? Yeah. This can't be right. This is terrible, you know. So she's just kind of lost, and uh, she doesn't really know what she's doing. So um, she, while she's working in this department store, she sees this woman who walks in, and like the moment she sees her, like her world changes. Like yeah. she just falls in love with this woman. Assuming this is the Mia Wachowski character. Well, no, the, the Kate Blanchett character. Yeah, Kate Blanchett is this woman. Mm-hmm. So, um, Carol. Oh. And uh, it's this. Did you finish this book? I'm three quarters of the way through. It could have a sad ending. Sex. And you're oh, it's gonna started. have such a bad ending. They just had sex. They found out that a detective is following them. Um, because uh, Kate Blanchett. I'm just gonna call it. Kate is um uh getting divorced from her husband, mm-hmm. and she has a daughter. She's kind of trying to get custody, and she's gonna get custody. Um, so she go. Her husband, it, like the divorce is dragging out, and um, she decides to go on a road trip, and she takes Mia with her. And while they're out on the road, they have sex, and they admit that they're in love. Because Carol is at times very warm and very outgoing to Therese, and other times very cold, very distant, yeah. like pushing her more towards her boyfriend. Because she knows this isn't sustainable. It's the fifties. Yeah, you know. And uh, meanwhile, Therese is just so in love, and she's never felt this way before. Like, th- they just had sex for the first time, and it's actually a really interestingly written scene. And, like, you don't, you barely... What's so interesting about it? Well, you barely know that sex is happening, and so she's like, she's like, it's, it's right. It's right. There's nothing wrong with it. Anyway, it's pretty good. But um, shit is going to go bad, because we found out there's a detective following her that her, ex- her soon-to-be ex-husband hired. Oh, no. He's going to use this against them. And we found out that Carol has a gun. This is not going to end well at all, at all. I heard though. What's then, notable about this book? What's notable about this book is that it is a lesbian book written in the fifties that apparently has a happy ending. I can count on one hand the lesbian books that are not like you know the lesbian narratives. That I'm are... assuming what happens is that Carol just shoots the the camera out of the detective's hand. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what are you going to do now? And then shoots only the part of his brain that contains memories of what he has seen. He still leaves a happy for even hearing about what lesbians even are anymore <laughs> in the whole world, much less uh, yeah, there's a specific relationship. I I, I, I think Richard is going to go crazy. So that's and do the price of salt. The price of salt. It's really I'm enjoying. What it. is it? A book. What is the price? <laughs> you know, it's great. I googled the price of salt to try and um, get some more information. Like as before, we started talking. Um, Google auto auto completed the price of salt at Walmart. <laughs> Uh, I hear uh, the price of salt doesn't matter as long as you pay the iron price. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Throw Throwing that out there. Um, That's right. No, that sounds pretty cool, though. It's, it's very enjoyable. I just started reading The Cloud Atlas. How's that treating you? It's uh, the first... I'm listening to the audiobook. Yeah. And the first two hours is of just... Have you... Do you care about the Cloud Atlas? Hey, you yeah. haven't read it? No, you, have you seen the trailer for the movie that's coming out? It's supposed to be yes. super amazing. Yeah. I have not seen the trailer, even though people are flipping out about it. The first two hours of the audiobook is just about this uh, guy running around like 1850s New Zealand, just writing racist shit. Yeah. About how he's just like adventuring and he's just on a voyage, just like talking about the Maori and stuff. Nothing. Yeah. That's been the first two hours. So. Supposedly, what the idea is the Cloud Atlas is jumps. Uh, do you know what the basic idea of the Cloud well, Atlas is? Well, it jumps. Is? I know it jumps through time. Yeah, it jumps through time. So, like I've only, I'm still only in the first chapter. I guess. I don't know. 
But yeah, the first yeah the first one it's a it's not he's not even a sea captain or a scientist or anything like that. It's just old timey. Oh, I'm from England. I'm not. I'm out just hanging out with the savages. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I have no idea what it's the scope Tuesday. of this movie is going to be. It's a Tuesday, so I I'm assuming I'd this is going to be like the first five minutes book. of the movie. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's written well. It's just like reading someone's like really crappy ass diary from two hundred years ago, filled with Maori people, and he's all like, "These savages aren't as quite as savage as I thought. Plus, they make delicious pork." Um. So that you that. Sex, right? Man, I started playing Saints Row 3 again. Saints Row 3 is so good. I just, well, what the hell was it? Oh, it was while well, I was waiting for my new copy of Skyrim to show up. I thought, fuck it. Like, I'll just play Saints Row 3 because that's always a good fucking time. Yeah. And so actually, I wound up completing all the stuff on all the different islands. I haven't beat the game 100%, but I've 100% mm-hmm. done, like, all the gang challenges and stuff mm-hmm. on each island in the game. Yeah. You know, because the, the game world's kind of busted up like New York City where these islands and boroughs and stuff yeah. like that. And so I'm kind of more or less 100% of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, that game was fucking fun. Saints Row 3rd is great. Uh, I forgot that like when I left off, I was playing as a toilet with a zombie voice. <laughs> with a big dildo bat. So I'm just wondering. Man, there's a part of me that feels like you played that game wrong. That you didn't get to hear all the bosses' snappy one-liners and everything. Oh, yeah. Because um, well, the writing you, is so much fun well, in that also, game. Also, you played as, what was the American woman? Because there was two or three other uh, American yeah. voices. And there's one Jennifer, voice Jennifer fan. Bailey does a great job. I think that's I can always replay it. I would have no problem replaying that game as someone else. The boss else. is so great. That game was fucking fun. And the funny, the best part is that. The game is not like super long, but there's enough yeah. side, co- side content. You, yeah. you keep on playing for a long time. Yeah. I played for an extra like probably like six or seven hours this week. Yeah, just like just like killing things, just like doing like little challenges, the things where you have yeah. to go like blow up gang members in this part of the city to get extra control and stuff. Yeah, that game was fun. Uh, what I liked about Sleeping Dogs and what I liked about Saints Row the Third, I think it's really smart to make these kind of open world sandboxy games that aren't fucking unimaginably huge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because then you well, can... yeah, both in real estate and game length. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you still get a good meal out of it, but you're not necessarily overwhelmed it's not by it. Yeah. Exactly. And you can still play it's like... either game for like a long time. Yeah, but... like um, uh, I, like I wish that Red Dead was a little bigger and with a little more to do in the world. Yeah. But that was like another, or it was like I think that was almost too small. But I kind of like like these more contained sort of sandbox games because it's too big, like Skyrim. Like, I almost had a panic attack the first time I started playing Skyrim. It's like That's just what, like, sense like I said, like, me, with me having firing, the, firing up this game after already putting 20 hours into the game, and I realized I still haven't barely scratched the surface of the goddamn yeah. thing, just even looking at the world map to see what yeah. places I have and have not visited yet. That's and one turns of the out, reasons... I, turns out I've been spending my entire 20 hours in this one, like, one fit, like fifth of the whole world map, yeah. essentially, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Well, another thing I like about Sleeping Dogs, and, you know, like, uh, Saints Row the Third does this too. Most games do, oh. where they very organically tr- kind of try and get you to go a little bit further out each time. Like you'll just have little yeah, missions nice, that draw yeah. you out. Like you can start from the start. You can go anywhere in the city. You can explore anywhere. But um, you know, it just kind of gently draws you out of your your normal zones. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto does that a little bit too, especially yeah. Grand Theft Auto. Well, Grand Theft Auto, well, they, they, it's they, more they, gated. Yeah, you know? but that's really like, is well, that's nice about Saints Row. Three, yeah, uh, is that the whole world's open at the beginning? Yeah, you don't have to worry about like, oh, uh, the bridges that were destroyed that keep you from yeah. venturing far- any farther into the game than we want you to. They've been just rebuilt. Now you can go onto the next island. Yeah, at least with that, you can just go where the hell you want. But yeah, go like Grand Theft Auto Four is still like, you'll do a couple missions and we'll be like, oh, well, now like we'll have it like a race that'll take you from point A to the end of the race will be like the next borough. Or, yeah, and as soon as you get out of your car, you're gonna meet new people and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was interesting to see how like open world games how they layer in yeah like new content and new characters yeah. to meet like that where they try to make it organic and uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah like one of the reasons why I like Fallout New Vegas more than Fallout Three 
is that the world is much, much smaller, and you visit pretty much all of it naturally during the course of the game. Yeah. Like, you, you cut a pretty good swath through it, mm-hmm. So it, but you can, of course, you can deviate and find new things, but, you know, it feels a lot more curated and a lot less random. Did you see the thing that they came online the last couple of weeks talking about all the content that was cut from New Vegas? Yeah. About how, like, Prim, there was going to be a whole thing about how you helped the people, like, was it Prim? Or is it, like, the first city you go... The first, not, like, Prim's the first town you start off... Yeah, it's a Good Springs. That's the first city. Yeah, that's the first city where, you like, you're supposed to help people, like, rebel against, uh... uh, There was supposed to be a whole rebellion thing and stuff. Well, the thing about Oblivion... This is why I'm really... We're getting a little bit in Geek Week review of this. The reason why I'm really curious about them kickstarting their own game. Every Oblivion game... Just... I don't know what it is. No, I, it's Obsidian, the guys who got brought in. It's, it's, that's what I meant. I'm, yeah. just, I'm sorry, Obsidian. But these are the guys who came in. They get brought in to do sequels for successful well, role-playing games. beyond that, every game I've ever played by Obsidian clearly has so much ambition and so many plans that get axed so late. And then it's clear that they, they didn't necessarily focus their resources to get some more core things Obsidian done. being people made Viva Pinata. Uh... Little, little Big Planet Racers. That's pretty good. Actually, I was just looking up to see what the company that made Sleeping Dogs did. <laughs> they have only done little bit. They did Mod Nation Racers, which yeah. everyone hated because that had crazy load uh, times. And their only Wait, other they game did Mod Nation Racers is Little Big uh, Little Big Planet Kart Racing. Those really? are their two and other games. And then they did Sleeping Dogs. Sleep. Well, Sleeping Dogs has clearly been in development a long time. So they well, must exactly, have done yeah. those other two games, like knocked them off. Yeah. during the development cycle. But it's hilarious. But wow. no, uh, Obsidian also uh, Obsidian they made uh, Knights of the Old Republic too. Yeah, which is yeah exactly. They were brought in to quickly within like two years knock out a quickie sequel yeah. to an already established great game. Yeah. And then again, uh, Fallout New, Vegas. Fallout New Vegas. They were brought in to like really quickly knock out. A, uh, a rushed production of a but even to... their own game, the agency, like oh, I is think that it was called? Yeah, that was their one game that was their was IP. Was that like the Sega published like role playing game that yeah. you bought last year? Yeah, yeah. Like, I this started time play, last year. Yeah, and it had a lot of really clever mechanics, and then it just wasn't. It didn't have enough tooth keeping. Yeah, it seems because I'll go back and play it probably during our lull. Yeah. But the, all of their games feel like they just need like six months more to bake. So I'm really, but it speaks. This is all of their games. All of their games. So I wonder if, like, I think part of it is, A, they're not given enough time, B, they're not given enough resources, but C, it kind of speaks of, like, they need someone to come in and kick their ass and say, no, 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 what's got to be in it? Yeah. Okay, what do you want in it? What do we have time to do? And let's focus on that, because they just, everything just, it just struggles under the weight of ambition. And I love them. The reason why I love Obsidian is that half of it is they're ambitious about shoving more story and character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll get so far that they'll have assets done, but they just don't have time to implement Implement, them. Well, that's, that's why you'll have a lot of mods. found entire world's worth of content in, like, yeah. Knights of the Republic Yeah, like, there's, Republic yeah, there's too, notoriously yeah. there are mods that allow you to actually finish Knights of the Old Republic 2. You know, so I'm really curious about this Kickstarter they've done. That's just them. That just start. Just started okay, like yeah, yesterday. Just, yeah, just they're the already news. over halfway through. Is this for a PC role playing game? Yeah, because I'm assuming it's not going to come out. Well, it's going to be kind of like Icewind, Iceland Dale esque, like Planescape tournament esque, like that kind of torment. Excuse me, um, esque that kind of look, like the 3D isometric. Oh, okay, thing. okay, okay. And yeah, um, Project Eternity by Obsidian. Yeah. I'm, I, I, oh, see, they've already cracked, they've almost, is, what are they asking there. for 11, 1, 1 million, They're asking 100, for, 000? uh, yeah, 1 million, 100,000, they've got 1, 1 million, 50. I will give 000. them my money, because 
Even when they fail, I would I rather know, play I one of their failures. To go. They've only almost raised their into all the money they need in like 24 hours. I just bought a house. I am shit broke. I'm still going to give them my money because I believe in voting for my dollars. And these guys, yeah, they're doing the South Park game that's coming out. Oh, this God, spring, I forgot about that. Which hopefully will be polished. But it's like those guys, like, I feel like there's just something they just can never quite catch that break. I want them to catch that break. Huh. You can buy the game for only 25 bucks. That sounds actually really interesting. I will well, totally give you that. You got 31 money. days to figure out whether or not you want to donate. I haven't watched guys. the video to see how terrible it is yet, so there's always. Uh, well, speaking of Kickstarter, uh, I just downloaded FTL, uh, one oh, yeah. of the first big Kickstarter games that were, what, I think it was funded about a year ago. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's only nine bucks. If you buy it within the first week, it just went live yesterday. So if you buy it anytime between now and, like, next, uh, like Friday, uh, yeah, you can download the game for nine bucks. I haven't played too much of it, but it's a very, very cool. Uh, top-down mm-hmm. uh, starship simulator. Mm-hmm. But it's not, like, so simulator that's, like, really intimidating. It's just, like, you have a little st- uh, spaceship, and it's, like, busted up in little rooms. It's all just top-down. It's never, like, 3D or anything like that. And you're just simply, like, fighting other ships. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're just, like, uh, commanding your crew. Just, like, go here, man this, like, engineering station. And having someone engineering the uh, engineering station means the engines are, like, more n- nimble, and you can, like, fly around, like, easier and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And having somebody... Manning the weapon systems means the weapon automated uh, automatic weapon systems like are more accurate and stuff like that. Sure. And you're just like power management, like oh my god, we need more uh, power to the to the weapon systems, like funnel that shit from the engines, and yeah, yeah. it's just kind of like little yeah, like a little starship manager. Like so, like um, you could have made like a Firefly game out of this. Yeah. About how just like Kaylee, get to the engines, fix the engines for me, or something like that. Yeah. But that's a very cool little game. It's only nine bucks, and but like I said, like, graphically, it's not that amazing or anything like that. It almost looks Graphics like it could have been an iPhone. Or iPad. Well, no, it's not like they're really political, uh, polygonal or anything like that. Yeah. Even when you warp from it's one system to a, a, yeah, when you even that's when, expensive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. But yeah, it correct. You don't feel like this indie game looks shitty. I'm like, that shit's expensive. It costs a lot of money to look pretty. But it's funny. You don't even see what the outside of your ship looks like. It's oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's like you look. It looks like you're like looking at a flying top down apartment. <laughs> Because it's almost like The Sims where it's just like, yeah, you're kind of like, you can like you can have your own ship, you can name the ship, you can name all your crew. Yeah. So you could, you know, you could essentially have the Firefly, make it into a Firefly game if you wanted to. Yeah. People love ships and you can sav- like, uh, take uh, salvage from yeah, the wreckage. Yeah, salvage and, supplies. And yeah, oh, I got a new weapon because I blew up their ship and, I, yeah, and now I've got a super laser. Yeah. It's, oh my god, the super laser requires all the power in my ship to use, so like, yeah. all my shields will be down and yeah. we'll barely have any, like, uh, oxygen support, on the yeah. ship and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like a cool little that's yeah. adorable. I don't know if there's much of a campaign to it, mm-hmm. or, or or if there's any kind of a story, or if you're just randomly running around blowing up stuff. But yeah. I haven't played it that much. But it seems like for nine bucks, it's worth just checking out. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a demo of it, but I said fuck it. Oh, and uh, Mark and the Ninja, have you heard about this? I downloaded it just because so many people were saying it was yeah. so good. It's very pretty. I've only played a little bit of it. It looks like if uh, Ashley the Penny Arcade guys kind of did an animated game. Well, did you never play Shank? No. They did Shank. It looks exactly Shank like Penny Shank. Arcade two years it looks ago. exactly like Shank. No. <laughs> like almost. I mean, it's like obviously Shank has this, sounded like, like stupid. Though. It was stupid, but I mean, the gameplay in this is a lot more polished. It just looks exactly like Shank. I think the animation quality, the way it's it looks, beautiful. Really, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I don't. And that sounds dismissive. It's a beautiful game. It's I've a ninja game. A it's just bit. a side-scrolling. I, I, like, as much as people were flipping out about it, I was kind of surprised to say, "Oh, it's just a ninja game." <laughs> it's Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. Except with, like, slightly flashier graphics. That's not a bad thing. No. It's just... Well, it's nice to see a really pretty 2D game. Yeah. You know, it's it's enough of it. It would be like seeing a really pretty 2D animated film. Well, it's the rare stealth game. It's rare... It's the, the stealth game genre. 
mm-hmm. didn't really kickstart until like 3D games became a big thing. Yeah. And so even like uh, like Ninja Gaiden, there was no stealth. You're just like running around stabbing and killing the shit out of stuff. Yeah. And this game is kind of interesting to see a nicely implemented uh, stealth system put into a 2D game. Yeah. I love the idea that when you're in the in the shadows, you're just like this black silhouette. Yeah. Like with a thin white outline around. But yeah. when you actually in the light where people can see you, your character turns full color. Yeah. Which that's like really nice just to be able to tell like, okay, oh shit, well, if I'm full color, then anyone it's very around visual. me can see me. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really, cool. it's a very cute game. And it's very but well it's 15 bucks. I bought it. Oh, you did buy it? I was, again, I was like, well, but all well, I threw down right. nine bucks on FTL. I threw down 15 bucks for corn. <laughs> oh, that's right. Hey, hey, this is something me and Annie were talking about before the podcast even started. Uh, Smut Peddler. Smut Peddler, the all-lady comics porn anthology. I shouldn't say anything because I was shit-talking. <laughs> no, Smut, well, Smut the Peddler. the nature of any anthology is yeah. that maybe you don't like half the entries. Oh, it's not bad out of hand. It's yeah. just like, uh, well, it's, also th- it's 350 pages long. Smut Peddler is a, well, we should explain that it's a comics porn anthology. Mm-hmm. That was edited edited by Scott, no, by Trotman, mm-hmm. and uh, there's actually three, yeah, it's 350 pages long. You can download the PDF for 15 bucks if you just said they had a Kickstarter a while ago for the yeah. print version. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not bad except that just you know it's and like in any anthology there seems to be a lot of filler, and just from like a, a like a visual point of view it's really weird because a lot of the comics are like are lettered with like just like uh, like crappy like Windows 95 fonts like where it's not even like digital handwritten fonts or anything like that. It's just kind of, like, dropped in sans serif, just, like, Helvetica mm. on top of, like, you know, a really gorgeous, like, hand-drawn comic strip. But, like, it just looks terrible. I kickstarted it. And there's it. actually a decent number of strips like that in the anthology. I kickstarted it. I haven't downloaded the PDF yet. Yeah, I actually haven't read any of the comics. Here's just the thing, I was though. Just so kind of distracted. This is genuinely what I feel like. I just downloaded this last night, so I haven't had time to really go over it yet. Ladies-centric comics porn is the definition of beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, That I is know. it right there. there. I thought this was going to be mostly lesbian porn, too. I, I bought it mostly no. just to support, like, the people, like, because we know a lot of people are actually involved in this smut peddler comic. And, uh, man, there's a lot of dicks going into vaginas in this thing. You know what? Straight ladies can like porn, too. I'm just saying. Well, I'm just I thought, saying. for some reason, I thought it was going to be more, like, lesbian-y for some reason. It's, uh, I think because most of the creators are women, I just assumed. You assumed that all women would draw women no doing it or lesbians? Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, greasy dicks in this comic. <laughs> should have been the title. Yeah, Greasy, greasy Dicks. dicks. No, it's yeah. not bad. I, I, I don't want to shit talk it. Especially for 15 bucks for 350 pages For porn? Content. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's fucking huge. And I'm glad their Kickstarter went really well. I it sounds like more the people... for worse porn. So who, like, our friend, uh, the ladies who, whose wedding you went to, she did the cover for yeah, this Yeah, Emily Carroll did the cover. Um, um, our friends Erica and her bro, Erica Moen and her bro, um, Leia Worthington? Yeah. They did a they comic did a strip. I genuinely um, don't know. Carla Speed McNeil. Oh, did Carla do a comic yeah. in it? Aww. You can totally tell it's Carla because it's yeah. There's some ridiculous shit in there, but uh, yeah, no, I really have to sit down and actually read it. I only kind of. I I'm excited night. about it. Porn comics. I you know I, my wife always makes fun of me because she's like she'll see some porn and she's like that's bad. I'm like no 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 you don't understand with porn. Yeah. No, it's just like if it's you just, have it's window dressing. My wife, my wife doesn't want, can't watch porn because she's too high standards. I'm yeah. like, no, no, no. It's it's watching people do it. You can't have standards, really? or you don't get to watch anything. If you want tits <laughs> and, and you want a comic and you have high standards, read Ogloff. That's all you need. I'm kind of you call it Ogloff. What is it? I call it Oglaf. Oglaf? What? It's probably that Ogloff? too. Well, you know what? Playing all the Skyrim, it's all like <laughs> the fucking. 
But we've established that I don't understand anything does not originate from Texas in the 1990s. Yeah, this is true. So I'm just kind of generally racist against everybody We've talked about Oglaf before, right? Yeah, yeah. If not, we'll touch base on it. Oglaf is, or Oglaf. Oglaf. Oglaf is probably more correct. That sounds like that would be a character in the comic. It is a pretty adorable fantasy webcomic that is pretty much all sex humor. It's at OGLAF.com. Highly recommended. It's really funny. It's really drawn well, but isn't it really it's drawn, drawn really by well. a lady? It's it's drawn by a lady, and I think her writing partner is a dude. Yeah, but I think she. There's a lot of kind of like guy centric humor in there where it's like, yeah, the main character he gets cursed, so whenever he jerks off, his jerk his, his semen comes out, and like it it becomes a thing called a cum sprite that <laughs> runs around and tells everyone that he's just jerked this off. This does not sound adorable, but it's kind of adorable. Oh no, but it's like the cartooning is fantastic. Her, the art is pretty great. The coloring is pretty great too. There's a great comic strip where. Was it somebody goes out and he finds like this this forest filled with like naked lady statues that are all in the middle of sex poses? Yeah. And he knows that these are actually just women who have been transformed. That he knows he's gonna. I, I think he knows he's gonna turn into a statue. I'm really enjoying you telling me this joke, Bill. Go for it. And uh, and a bird craps on him. <laughs> it's really. I like That's you describing this statue. joke, Bill. Anyway. Let me. I got a migraine. I can't think. Let me tell you about this webcomic <laughs> that only makes sense as a picture because I don't think there's even any dialogue in the strip. But I'm gonna tell you all about it right now. I have usually that's a dialogue. But yeah, it's it's way it's much better drawn than it has any right to be. It's beautiful. It's yeah. one of more beautiful webcomics out there, I would say. Man, Doctor Who came back this week? Yeah, how's was Doctor Who? this week or last week? I think it was last week. Oh, last week. Uh, first episode was all Daleks. Yeah. Man, oh, that's right, because you don't care about Doctor Who. Spoilers for anyone who's watched Doctor Who. Um, first episode of Doctor Who last week, they had a like. Call from Erica. Is Erica Moen calling right now? Yes. Did you hear us talking about a porn comic? No. Um... We are in the middle of recording a podcast. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, Doctor Who, uh, first episode came back last week. Uh, did you hear about there? there's going to be a new companion on the show? Spoilers for Doctor Who, obviously. No. Oh, yes, I did. The, the pawns are leaving this, this, this season. And they've already announced who the new companion is going to be. Somebody named Jenna Louise Coleman. She's a very small, petite brunette lady. Of course, it's just going to be another white lady. They're not going to get, like, a sexy black man or anything like that. Uh, so everyone's like, oh, that'll be interesting to see when she shows up, like, later on the season. She shows up in the first episode. Oh, really? But, Amy, but the, the pawns don't leave. Turns out there's this whole episode with, you know, the Dalek bad guys. God damn! <laughs> hey, Bill? Hey, Bill. Bill, what? turn off your phone, Bill. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do or that. Or turn off your ringer, Bill. Unprofessional. So, I uh, know, it uh, turns out, like, uh, uh, the, the new companion shows up in this episode. Turns out she's been turned into a Dalek. <laughs> And, but then she dies at the end I of the episode. I like that emphatic sound. But yeah, no, not only does she get turned into a Dalek at the end of the episode, she dies. And it's kind of like, okay, but you know she's coming back because they've already announced like, she's going to be the new companion later on this season. So everyone's like, Whoa. Unless it was a red herring. Or something like that. Uh, and then this week's episode, the second episode, was called Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, which is a very goddamn cute episode. Yeah. It's, uh, it, there's no real continuity or anything like that. It's not, like, uh, uh worked up about, like... Those are usually the songs. best <laughs> Doctor Who episodes. I know. throw that out there. Um, this Wish episode, episode, uh, Mr. Weasley shows up. He Does put, he? He is now Rory's dad. So <gasps> oh, that's perfect! They go on an adventure with dinosaurs on a spaceship with Rory's dad. With, the, yeah, Rory slash the Weasley dad. Weasley. And also the bad guy in this episode is Filch. From yeah? Harry Potter, who is also Aww. in Game of Thrones these days and stuff. That's a very goddamn cute episode. Um, just watch it, like, I don't know, it was, it was just, uh, this l- latest episode, the Dinosaurs on the Spaceship episode was really cute because, uh, the Doctor gets a posse 
He gets mm-hmm. he's hanging out with Queen Nefertiti. She's part of nice. the people running around on this ship with the dinosaurs on the spaceship. Of course. And this like big game hunter from Africa. Which is always great just to see the doctor randomly hanging out with like people from history. Yeah. Like as part of a posse. Yeah. Like I wish they did more episodes like this where it was just like the doctors are like saying, Hey guys, let's go on an adventure randomly. Yeah. yeah. And I mean if they did that every episode would become a formula, it would not yeah. be that interesting. But like, it's great for at least one episode. Yeah. Just that like him just right like the episode starts with him just going off and saying, Hey guys, let's go let's go on an adventure. Yeah. And then just the adventure just happens to be on a spaceship with a whole bunch of <laughs> and See, then that's it, that's literally that sounds like the most fun it's the most it, that this episode has been the most doctor whoiest episode in a long long time it actually feels a lot more like uh the doctor who episodes before uh stephen moffat took over like the stuff with david Tennant and things like that when, i didn't mean to but i drew matt smith with a goatee check that out yeah he, i could see him with a goatee he look good with that occasionally he can't just have like a neck beard though no yeah chin strap anyway Oh yeah, Doctor Who was good. Doctor Who. Um, man, watching some Game Center CX. You yeah. don't care about that. You've told me about it, Ellie. Well, that's it right. Did you cute. watch it when it was on Kotaku last year? No. When they started I didn't doing watch them. any of the Kotaku TV Man, stuff. I'm not going to talk about that because you're going to get fucking bored off your ass. <laughs> well, I it's, just about, it's about some dude who plays video games he's never heard of, right? Yeah, exactly. Is that yeah. the premise? And uh, I saw, like, I found out, well, I didn't realize a lot of these episodes are up on YouTube now. Mm-hmm. And so I watched the, there's a, a big two-parter where he tries to beat Super Mario World, yeah. which is really cute. And then uh, there's a two-hour special. Last summer, he came to the United States. Yeah. And so there's, U- there's a USA special. Yeah. And that's really cute. He goes to San Francisco, and he uh-huh. visits this giant, like, uh, museum. Museum Mechanique. Yeah. I went there. We talked about it. When, when, when were you there? And when I went to San Francisco, like, a month ago. Oh, he Remember went I there. talked about it? Yeah. You should watch this episode. Yeah. Because, like, there's an arm wrestling machine. Yeah. There's all this stuff. So yeah, the- I told you about this place because remember my sister looked. There's like all the little. Like, I forgot you were just machines. in San Francisco because of stuff. Yeah, yeah. My little sister wa- liked looking at a machine that was like what every married woman should know, and it, or like something like that. And it was like supposed to be a dirty picture show, and my sister was all offended because it wasn't very dirty. <laughs> I told you this whole story. So anyway, no. So uh, Game Center CX guy, Master yeah. Cacho Arino. Yeah, he goes there, and it's very cute. There's a great part where you know he can't speak English. And so he goes back and he sees, like, the skee-ball machine, and there's already a lady playing there. And so he ends up playing a round of skee-ball against this lady, and he beats her. Mm -hmm. And she gets actually really upset and walks away. And, like, so he pulls out one of his cards that he's just usually, like, reading randomly off to people just Mm -hmm. to engage with them in English. And he just goes, have a nice day! And he's like, I don't even know if he even knows what the hell he's saying. Yeah. The the, the comic timing of it is fucking hilarious. It's funny when people who are not native to country go to a country. Yeah, get with the Asian racism in this episode. So what's up with that? So yeah. Anyway, hi, Bill. <laughs> we're uh, we uh, we just had a friend of the podcast, Matt and Erica, stop by for like the last hour. So if I hope that sounded organically, like we were still having a conversation about the same subject. I'm gonna put like a Star Wars explosion. Don't sound effect. please don't. Every Why? time you put a sound effect in, people complain. I stopped about that. And then I just put in thirty seconds of me beatboxing. So I went to the comic shop yesterday. What? I was so annoyed. I went to the comic spot shop explicitly to buy the new Stumptown Volume Two Number One. I love Stumptown. Stumptown is a comic um, uh, published by Oni Press um, by, uh, what's his name, Greg Rucka and yeah. like some, Paul Southworth, I think is the name of the artist, or am I confusing that with the guy who do the webcomic artist? Anyway, it's about um, this lady named Dex, who's a private detective in Portland, Oregon, um, with a gambling problem. And I really enjoyed the first volume a lot. I mean, I have a huge soft spot for... for um, uh, private detectives down on their luck yeah. and making it a woman in modern day Portland. It's all very much so relevant to my interests. She has a, a mentally handicapped little brother she has to take care of. It's very sweet. 
Anyway, um, Stumptown, the second volume, just came out this week. And I was so delighted by new Marceline and Scream Queens and new Hawkeye that I forgot about it. Actually, what did you think of this week's uh, Marceline? I liked it. It was the first episode where I was like, eh, it wasn't bad. All of the Adventure Time comics have been so blast your pants off amazing that I'll yeah. give them an... It's a plot one. Where it's it's, it's was, a plot it was, it was just uh, Marceline getting upset because the man gets a bad review. Yeah, it's time for the plot, so it was Bill. mostly just her flipping out for like 20 pages. It's the plot, Bill. It's, it's a bad. tiny little comic. They gotta get the plot going. I know, I know, I know, You're allowed I know, to have the plot issue where the plot gets going. Um, but no, I picked up uh, Hawkeye. I talked about Hawkeye number one. I gotta say, everybody gotta read this comic, Hawkeye. It is, to be fair, this is the sort of comic that I almost, I st- when I started reading comics again, mm-hmm. the ki- kind of stuff that I su- super dug. A little bit of crime element, very dialogue dense, very stylized. It had one of my favorite layouts I've seen in a comic strip for a while, which is um, each corner are um, the two people, the two protagonists talking to each other on the cell phone. They're each in their own requisite bathrooms. They have, yeah. they have this conversation. And then the um, diagonally, like, uh, like there are all the little, these little squares that are, break up, um, fill the page with their conversation. And it's such a great little layout to emphasize their distance. This conversation they're having is about their relationship and what they are and what they are not. And it's like the literal barrier between them is their words. It's just a very, very That's nicely cool, laid yeah. out. I mean, it's one of those things where it'll seem like whatever. But I really, it's like everything I love about comics is in this Hawkeye comic. I've never really paid much attention to Matt Fraction, though I've heard many good things. Yeah. And I know nothing about this artist on it, but I, I can't, and I could give two shits about any mainstream like Mar- like Avenger like a uh, Marvel or DC like really what's going on in those worlds yeah. but this Hawkeye comic cannot recommend it highly enough really good stuff can't miss them super stylized covers only number one or two are out you, they're both standalones you can pick them up highly recommended you need to know nothing about the Avengers universe yeah other than you, like the, the oh this is about Hawkeye from the Avengers yeah oh okay it's great and it also has a very good it um, doesn't look like Jeremy um no okay but uh, anyway Good stuff. Uh, did you see... Oh, The Avengers comes out on like, Blu-ray next week. Yeah. Do you care about that? Did you... You saw that in the I theaters. saw The Avengers. I yeah, thought it was cute. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You like Jeremy Renner, though. I, oh, no. I you don't... like Gemma Atkinson, because in my mind, they're they're, they're both together. <laughs> because they're both in that terrible... Uh, what is it? Hansel and Gretel movie? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I saw the trailer for it before some I heard movie. that the new trailer came out and people were oh. flipping out about it. Does it look bad? No. Here's the set of my feelings. Jim Hardington is the most beautiful brown hair lady. I have a huge soft spot for pretty brown hair white ladies. <laughs> I don't mean to. My wife is the same way. We started making a joke about it, like, maybe a year or two ago, and then we started realizing how true it is. Pretty brown-haired ladies. What is it when a dog looks in the river and looks, thinks it's so beautiful that loses the bone? That is Annie right there. Except we look at the river. Annie is we a pretty brown-haired lady. You look at the river. It is narcissism. Yeah, That's exactly. It. Yeah. Gemma Arterton, man. You I may be saying her name would wrong. Would you fuck me? I would fuck me. <laughs> and if Polly says, trailer. I have fucked you, I will fuck you. <laughs> pretty brown haired lady and in this trailer it's just and it's the stupidest shit is happening explosions are happening and but man jim arnton in in like in various peasant 
peasant like dresses and then like leather like stupid badass gear i'm just like <laughs> it makes me feel like a dumbass if i were a 12 year old in middle america 12 year old middle america girl i'm just saying watching that trailer would be my sexual awakening is there a candy castle or something like that yeah oh yes no, okay of course is she putting whipped cream on her nipples it's like oh <laughs> it's only my erotic so fan erotic. fiction yeah, bill exactly, yeah that's it it's it's all her and uh, jean gray from x-men making out she plays the she's the evil witch oh really yeah. Femke Jansen? She admits that she made this. She said like a year ago after they <laughs> saw this movie, she's like, I have a mortgage. That was literally her answer to why oh did you take this God. role? You know, I have a mortgage, guys. Yeah, I like her though. She's funny. She is also a pretty brown haired lady. She was in a good episode of Star Trek. Yeah. She ends up, she becomes a Picard's girlfriend for half an episode. Does she? It's really, really? weird. Because then like two years later, they made the X Men movies together. Uh, oh my God. And they have to be like, oh yeah, that's her. We almost shopped on, on Star Trek. It is much as anyone shops on Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think people just hold hands to babies. Yeah, they hold hands and recite poetry at each other. I neither of them, neither of them, listen to our podcast, so I can say this. So, a quick note about Emily Carroll and Kate Craig's wedding. Yeah, they were the prettiest ladies in the world. I'm just gonna throw that out there. B, we they're not very demonstrative. They're both pretty, pretty withheld ladies. Yeah, and so we were making bets. Like, kind of as a joke over what gesture of affection would be exchanged at the climax of the wedding ceremony. Yeah. So we're like, maybe, we're gonna, you know, like, oh, we're gonna get to see him kiss, it'll be so exciting. <laughs> but we're like, I don't know, maybe there'll just be a hearty handshake, maybe a, a, a bro back slap. Yeah. Um, what else do we say? Um, we get fist bumps. And maybe, uh, you know, just a, a, a hug, like just a, a gentle hug. All of them happened except for fist bumps. There was a handshake, there was a back slap, there was a thoughtful hug, and a they kiss. did not kiss. Oh, they did oh, kiss. kiss. Yeah. It was the best. Those girls, I love them. Those oh, ladies are my favorite ladies. What, are they doing so anything much. for like honeymoon kind of stuff? I think they went or? on a cruise. Oh, they did go on a cruise. God bless them. Oh, because I know a lot of people just don't even have honeymoons anymore. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a big expense. Or, like, they'll have, like, the late honeymoon. And by honeymoon, yeah. they'll, like, go, like, I don't know. They'll take a trip I don't know how anybody can afford to have a wedding and a honeymoon. That's what I'm saying, yeah. I am too cheap for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Joshua and Bahar, uh, they just had a, their their honeymoon, which was just, like, three days driving out to, like, the Oregon coast. Yeah. And this is, like, a year and a half after they got married. Yeah. Just, just on a limb. They're like, yeah, well, we never actually had a real honeymoon. We're just going to treat ourselves just by going on vacation. Like, almost like a staycation yeah. for three days. My wedding and honeymoon is my new house. Yeah. I keep trying to, I keep saying that as a joke and then hoping people will get that as a clue. Hey, maybe buy me a house for me present. You know what? God bless those ladies. They had a bag waiting for us. I'm going to cry. Talk about it. They're so sweethearts. I love them. They had a bag waiting for us at our hotel with um, housewarming presents for our house. They got us the cutest tea towels. And they did not plan it, but it's going to match. It's actually perfect because we had these plans on what we're going to do with our kitchen. We're going to do red marmolium countertops with a, with a chrome 50s trim. Wow. It's going to be great. And um, they're, they're like red tea towels. So in my kitchen, they're like this perfect like representation of what's going to happen Aww. in my life. And it's just amazing. They're such sweethearts. I love those ladies so much. You know, there's some people you meet them and you're just like, you are the best and I love you and I hope I will always get to be in your life. Mm -hmm. And the internet has introduced me to a lot of people and then frustrated me by having them be a couple of thousand miles away. Yeah. You know, it's like I like you guys, like you and Dylan, like I met you guys and immediately I was like, you guys are good people and I want to be I want to know you for a good long time. 
And like, uh, you know, then I've lived a couple thousand miles away and it's always frustrating. And you do, th- you email people and you phone them that's and you send them packages. Thing, yeah. But then it's like, there's like, there's like a part of your heart that is like, man, I, you, there's a part of you that is always sad because you can't see these people that you love. Of course, now I moved away and now I feel that way about some people I find in Texas. So basically what I'm saying is life is unending melancholy. Happy wedding, Emily and Kate. Way to live far away where Are I they, can't they, hang out with you all the time. they have a house in Vancouver? They're, 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 they're there. They're apartment dwellers they up there. They have work and stuff up there, too, yeah. that keeps them there. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You're not, you're not what going am I gonna say? to Portland hey, anytime soon? Yeah. I did. I, my wife did pointedly tell them, you know we have a guest bedroom. You know we have a guest bedroom. You know we have a guest bedroom. Aww. I love those ladies. I want them to be happy and high-five with me and talk about Nathan Drake all the time. Uh, the whole time I was playing Uncharted, all I could think of was, why do those ladies live so goddamn oh, far away? Oh, do you away? guys need a bed for the guest room? No. My parents are actually, their housewarming gift to us is they're buying a queen bed and um, box frame. Supposedly, and... you still have a bed over at Jen and Kip's place. Well, that's, dude, that's a, a full or whatever. That's like a double bed. Yeah. It is not a guest bed. I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> well, it's a size. You have a queen. Yeah. That is bigger than a double. <laughs> It's so nice, though. I'm a big fat guy. I still get lost in my own bed. It's fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what, what else did else? I say? Did I make? What did I talk else? about Ultimate Spider-Man? No. I talked about it off the podcast. So also at the comic shop this week, I picked up Ultimate Spider-Man. I explained Bill to this joke while Erica and Matt are here. So now this will lack the credence. That's such a corny joke. I love it though. This is what. Oh, so my favorite, bad. my favorite bad. thing about Ultimate Spider-Man is are the women in it. I yeah. loved Aunt May. I loved Gwen Stacy, and I loved um, Mary Jane. This was my favorite part, and um, I liked Peter and his relationship with these women. And um, so that's the reason why I can't get on the Miles Morales train because literally the only woman in his life is his mom. And the whole point is that he's, you know, getting a little older and his yeah. parents, he's trying to kind of be, and he's trying to figure out how to struggle, juggle this with not disappointing his parents and all that stuff. So I, I'm really sad by the lack of women in Ultimate Spider-Man. Well, the most recent issue had, um, you know, had Aunt May and Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane meeting Miles Morales. And um, and Captain America's there, giving Miles Morales this whole joke about, you're too young to be Spider-Man, Peter Parker done got shot, you can't be Spider-Man, blah, 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 ends up basically pissing on the parade. And and Gwen Stacy makes some sort of joke about how, you know, it's like, oh, you know, we're having a good enough time until the eagle from the Muppet showed up and farted (laughs) on us. And the eagle. Which is just, I just enjoyed that joke so much. What's his name still writing that shit, right? Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis for like the last 12 years. That sounds like Brian Michael Bendis. It does. That's how he writes his ladies. Yeah. Also picked up the new powers. Powers, powers is how I was introduced. Yeah. Powers is how I was introduced to Bendis, yeah. and it's so funny because it used to be so important to me, and now it's not anymore. Yeah. Every time you're I the one who got me like, into Powers. Now, for some reason, oh, yeah. I just assumed it's dying. Now. No, no, actually, they just all became federal agents. Now it will be called Powers Bureau. That's what happens next. Hmm. I was reading it. I'm like, I I only is care it as still much. Dina as, Pilgrim. Is... Well, Dina disappeared for a while. She got. Let me see if I can remember. Oh, God. She got a. Who's the main guy? Uh, Christian Walker okay, and Dina Pilgrim. Very subtle names. Now there's, what's her name? Anki Sunrise. I think that's how you say her name. What? Who is, uh, Anki? she, Anki. E-N-K-I, I'm pretty sure. Is she like Hawaiian? Uh, she's just an African-American lady, I think. Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, but, uh, um, 
they all this huge giant powers essentially terrorist attack almost wiped out Chicago. Okay. And so Wait, now is that where all it takes place? yeah. Okay. All powers related cases have become federal cases. Okay. So now to to have it commit a powers related crime is a federal offense. And the feds are scrambling, so all the powers agencies are now federal. Like, all the powers, like, um, c- a police agents yeah. are now federal agents. Dealing with the fallout of this. There's some way to shake things up a little oh, yeah. bit. Well, I mean, know. Dina Pilgrim has been a federal agent. What happened was she contracted... Let me see if I remember. She contracted a disease that gives you powers. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a Highlander thing where it, it... First, it gives you these powers and you're all powerful. But you start to weaken. And the only way you can... I'm trying to remember, I think it's the only way you can keep on living is to kill someone else who has the powers. Or to infect someone else with the powers. Yeah, Jesus. So it's like this epidemic that swept through the city, and and Dina kind of hid it, but she also totally went down rabbit hole, did some crazy bullshit like mm-hmm. she's prone to do, disappeared for a while, and then reappeared as a federal agent. So um, and now walk over the world. They explain exactly what happened. Yes, and I can't remember. Oh, okay, I, okay. powers. Well, you're being vague. Something. I don't know if it was just like a vague thing. Where no, I like, can't remember. Yeah. Powers comes out every six months. So yeah, I that's can't, super regular, you know. so it's hard to get invested in it. Well, and it's one of those things also where I've been reading it for so long, and I I, I lost interest a while ago, and I really yeah. more read it out of stubbornness than anything, out of stubborn fondness for those characters. Because I was thinking about this comics and video games more so than any other media storytelling media. I get really attached to characters, really attached to characters. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been thinking a lot about Uncharted, Enslaved, and Red Dead Redemption, and how I miss the people in those games like they're old friends. Like, I was thinking about the because I've been thinking a lot about friends from afar and, like, how they can, even people, there are people you see very infrequently, but they mean a lot to you and all these things. And that's how I feel. And, like, the same chemicals in my brain get released when I think about, like, Avalyn and Isabella from Dragon Age 2, mm-hmm. when I think about Nate and Elena and Chloe and Sully, when I think about Monkey and Trip. Like, it is the same sort of chemicals get released in my brain, and I miss them. Like, and like, like I was thinking about, what is her name? Bonnie from Red Dead Redemption. What's her name? Bonnie yeah. McFarlane? Is that her name? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about her, like, like seriously, like, she's an old friend that I haven't heard from for years. I'm like, I'm going to have to go back to For a character that you game. collectively spent, like, three hours with in yeah. a video game two years ago. Exactly. Like, yeah. there's something about, and honestly, video games more than comics, even. Where these characters, they just get under my skin. Who actively help you out in the world and you interact with. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because they can be shallowly written and maybe not, you know, very well acted or anything. But they just mean so much to me. Like Garrus and Tali. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think about those guys, I finally have like, I've started to... Because Mass Effect was Started so... Started to disengage a little bit? A little bit. Just because Mass Effect is now so complete in my mind. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, I, I'm going to sound pathetic. It it's bit, how yeah. I felt a little bit like about Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And like the people in those worlds were like friends. And now those those doors are closed and I could move on. Yeah, it's always going to be there. On. It's when you walk away from it. It's not yeah. like a permanent it's like, like away from it. It's like a, my it's best like, friend when I was there. a teenager. And like, well, we're not friends anymore. But I think You're of You're putting that stuff like in the, in, in the mental closet for What I'm saying is Garrus Vakarian was my best friend when I was eight. Whereas Nathan Drake is that wonderful bro Aww. that I met at a party like two years ago and I think about him all the time. I kind of like that with like Alex Vance and her dad from Half-Life. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, yeah, same thing where it's like... You're... It's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's you and I and how we react to narrative mm-hmm. more than anything else. But video games, man, they get in my skin. Maybe is it the element of control and the element of projection you put on an avatar by like nature of how you control the character? 
I think so. It also just depends on how you interact with like narrative, like yeah. fiction. How how much you just like plug yourself emotionally into a situation. Yeah. Like even like Skyrim, like oh yeah, like the characters in there aren't super super interesting, but I'll get attached to like my stupid fucking dog in Skyrim. Yeah. I can't remember what his name is, but I love him to death. Yeah. And uh, just traveling around with him, like I'm always like make sure he doesn't get into trouble and shit mm-hmm. like that, doesn't get killed or wiped out. And that's just like that's a damn digital dog that yeah. like I can't remember what the name is. This stuff, I mean, it means so much to me. I'm so grateful that my wife understands and feels the same way. Like, if if anything has to do with, like, having a lonely childhood where you didn't have that many friends, but, like, you know, video game friends are kind of like friends. Well, I was always really... Like, maybe kind of grow up... Like, not not to say that, like, that people who react to games like that... Yeah. It's only because they had, like, lonely childhoods or something like that. But I think... That doesn't you, you, apply to me personally, yeah. because I had lots and lots of friends until college. Yeah. Well, that's true. And in college, yeah. I didn't play a lot of video games that I can remember. Oh. I was so sad during that time, I don't even think I even played games very much. Yeah. I don't know, me as a kid, I would play E.T. and just weep and felt that <laughs> well. just cry! Oh, E.T., you want all of it! It's so sad! And I try to lift you out, and you fall back into the wall. Have, oh, we done, have we done a podcast about our favorite characters in video games? No, we did our favorite so. video games, and yeah. our like, environments and stuff. And guess what my list is going to be? I just said yeah, them all. Yeah, we just had the podcast right there. Exactly, yeah. But it's so funny. These Aww. people, like, I, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. It's like, what part of my brain is fundamentally broken that I feel as strongly about this stuff? Like, I, I'm playing um, Sleeping Dogs. I completed, actually, a date with... Um, my girl who, uh, what's her name? Sandra, who likes to go fast. And, and doing that date and getting Wei Shen laid, um, got me over 30,000 achievement points. Yeah, you were probably, fuck you. <laughs> but, like, what got me over 20,000 achievement points is actually the death of John Marston in Red yeah. Dead Redemption. So I've been thinking a lot lately about, like, video game characters well, you- that, that take up so much emotional real estate. Yeah, you put out the call for, uh, people, uh, trying to give you recommendations for westerns. Oh, yes, okay. And I- I don't know if you're going to find a Western that's going to be as, as impactful to you as Red Dead just because you lived that adventure and you made the decisions for John Marston and you were actually an interactive part of that world. I don't think that the, like, the story in Red Dead is particularly amazing. The writing sure it's, as fuck is not all that good. It's, it does what it needs to do. But like, just the, that, 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 that the sense broad of agency, strokes of emotion yeah. in, in Red Dead are perfect. I still think the ending to that game is one of the best gaming <sighs> endings ever. But... I don't know if you're gonna find another Western, like a movie or anything like that, that's gonna have quite as much impact on you as Red Dead ever did. Why, Bill? What a good segue. So, friends, I have seen little to no westerns. For someone who wears as many western shirts as I do, grew up in Texas, and owns as many cowboy boots as I do, this is a crying shame. So, what I'm doing is I am asking everyone for their recommendations of westerns, your favorite westerns, or just straight up notable westerns that I should watch. Um, what I'm doing is I'm making a spreadsheet. I have a spreadsheet for um, every single Western that anyone has recommended to me and how many times it's been recommended. And then what I'm doing is, I'm. Uh, uh, we'll see how this goes, but every Sunday, Sundays are going to be Western and laundry for me. I'm going to no. do my laundry and watch a Western. And I, I think I may do like a blog about them or something like that. But um, um, help me, help me educate myself in the ways of Westerns. Email us um, or just tweet at us, boy, at Boy Hattie Podcast, or I am Spinuti, S-P-I-N-O-O-T-I. That is S-P-I-N-O-O-T-I. Totally unspellable. So what have um, you watched so people know not to... You, you well, I, have, I have a spreadsheet on my the, Twitter. The first thing everyone uh, recommends is good, the good, the good, and bad, and the ugly, but you've already seen that. But that's pretty much the only older Western that I've seen. Like, yeah. literally. 
Like, pretty much any other Western. Like, all the Westerns that like, I've seen All are... my recommendations are terrible fucking movies. Young Guns 2, Wyatt Earp. I'm gonna watch them. I'm pretty... Here's some of them I think... I know I've seen both Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp is the good one. <laughs> Fuck the people Which are into great. Tombstone. Because Tombstone is the one with Val Kilmer. Yeah. As, and yours is the one with... Dennis um, Quaid. Dennis Quaid, Yeah, right? both playing Doc I Holiday. know I've seen both those films, but I cannot remember. They take up so little real estate in my mind like that I have to watch them long, again. And it's got fucking what's-his-name Kevin Costner. Like, yeah. being Kevin... Kevin Costner's being yeah. bland as fuck. But yeah, Dennis Quaid is so fantastic in that movie. He looks so emaciated because he's, you know, he has, like, well, not consumption. What the fuck? Uh, tuberculosis. Yeah. And, like, he lost a lot of weight for that role, and he's just great as this raggedy, old, pissed-off, like, southern guy. Like, Whereas just... Val Kilmer, as I recall, was Big Pimpin'. Yeah, exactly. He's more <laughs> Big Pimpin', kind of quiet, talking like, hello, I'm your hooker there. <laughs> but yeah, Tombstone just feels a little more, like, tough and, and ragged, even though it's kind of long-winded stupid but yeah yeah like that and i recommended for a few dollars more which you know if you haven't seen good man the ugly that's a nice companion piece for that too it's also shorter than the good man the ugly because that's a long fucking movie it is a long movie. but uh, a few dollars more introduces lee van cleef's character who shows up oh yeah in a, 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 in the well i don't know if they ever explicitly state that he's playing the same character but he shows that he, he's dressed exactly the same stuff too and uh he's a foil for clint eastwood but yeah you know have you ever seen a perfect world no. That's kind of a Western. It's got Clint Eastwood in it. So I will tell... Yeah, I was, tell, I was saying this before. But I'm that's... accepting both Westerns in theme and Westerns in content. Actually, you might want to check that out, because that's kind of like... What is it called? A Perfect know, World? A Perfect World. It's a movie written and directed by Clint Eastwood. Like, like, like it's like 20 years ago. It's about... Again, with Kevin Costner. Why am I recommending all these Kevin Costner movies? Well, it's okay. Too? I know about your Kevin Costner man pillow. It's about... Uh, a Perfect World is about this. It takes place in Texas in 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, November 1963. Mm. I wonder what interesting shit happened in in that month in Texas of 1963. Uh, no, it's about uh, Kevin Costner plays this escaped convict. Oh yeah, and uh, Clint Eastwood and Laura Dern of all people are the two people chasing him, trying to recapture him. And uh, yeah, it's just like Kevin Costner grabs like some little kids. Like I don't know if he grabs him as a hostage or what, but it's kind of like you know like a, a bad guy on the run and to yeah. face Clint Eastwood. And it's a little westerny and like. It's, I don't know, you'll have to see it. I don't know what, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of, I'm not, it's kind of fatalistic. I, that, you know, that's, that's, I would argue that what is more Western in theme It's got fatalism. Bob Wills music in it. So. Oh, Bob Wills. Yeah. Oh man, so my wife always makes fun of me for whistling because she can never understand what I'm whistling. She always accuses me of freestyling when I'm whistling because apparently, uh, no, 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 flourishing. That's what she says. <laughs> adorably old-fashioned oh, I flourished when I whistled I so that, that quote she can never figure out what I'm whistling <laughs> which I think is bullshit put some I had English to on that? exactly yeah. put a little Aww. English on it um no I went to the um Aww. grocery station or grocery station the um, convenience store to get <laughs> some beer on a space station I know right I went to the grocery store or the convenience store to get some beer and while I was there I got my favorite Bob Will song is I don't know the actual title of it but it's I'll have somebody else as soon as you're gone mm-hmm my favorite Bob Will song, and I had it in my head. So I was whistling it incessantly, the chorus, on the way to the, to the convenience store. And uh, this bicyclist came up, went to the convenience store at me at the same time, and he stopped me and he said, hey, is that, that, is that a Bob Will song? And I was like, yes. Yes, it is. And I was the smuggest bastard when I got home. home. to eat a Foley. That's right. Yeah. Well, then she very sweetly was like, oh, that song that goes, and then she sang it to me, Aww. and my heart just melted. 
that lady. But yeah, so that's one of my recommendations, even though it's not a Western. But okay. it is kind of like... I'm, it's um, got the tone. It's got Clint Eastwood playing kind of badass lawman, chasing yeah. a convict. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I have a soft spot for crime films, It's also got What's-His-Name so. from the West Wing, too. Oh, What's-His-Name? Yeah. What's-His-Name? Uh-huh. I love What's-His-Name's work. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so yeah, that's so, Westerns. Everyone send me Westerns. Man, what else happened this week? Oh... Oh, man, so I was flipping out about The Lost City of Z for the last couple podcasts yeah. about uh, Percy Fawcett's... This is a book about the, the, the Percy Fawcett, his search for the El Dorado like 100 years ago. He got lost, never came back, mm-hmm. presumed dead. Well, if he wasn't dead before, he is now because that was 100 years ago. Uh, so I found out there was an Indiana Jones book about Indiana Jones lo- like looking for this Percy Fawcett guy. Oh, yeah. It's a book called Indiana Jones and the Seven Veils. Mm-hmm. And so I found a used copy of it on Amazon for like two or three bucks. Mm-hmm. And it showed up on my doorstep. And somebody had taken it upon themselves to white out every bit of cursing in the book and like write in their own, uh, their own like, you know, gosh, golly. You know, yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's the entire book consistently throughout the whole thing. I should try to find an excerpt. But it is like is it is it a gift to someone? Is there like a in the front? Is it too? There's nothing. Like... There's a phone number like written in pencil, but there's nothing like. Wow. This is obviously somebody's personal copy that like they decided that like you know they love Indiana Jones but they can't abide by the, any of the swearing. So uh, I don't give I maybe a damn about Fawcett. I don't care. I don't give an iota about. Fawcett. <laughs> intelligent person so basically what you're saying is bill whoever edited that book could never well, listen to one our of the podcast best parts is towards the end they got tired and like instead <laughs> of just even replacing the text they just white out the squares and that's yeah. it like look at this like look, look. <laughs> just a single page there's like half a dozen squares fixed right there my golly dr burt deidre began <laughs> wow it's the best who the heck are you you son of a gun, Jones. And I thought about, like, filing... Like, My favorite is, oh, man, here's Brody. <laughs> oh, man. That sounds like Indiana Jones man. in the 1930s. Oh, man. Oh, man, Brody. And so I was thinking about, like, like get like I sent an email off to the third-party vendor who sold that to me just to say, hey, you know what? I'm not complaining. I'm not trying to get a replacement for this book. But I was like, you might want to double-check every other book you may have bought in for this from this person that who lot. you got this book from, because yeah, this this guy, whoever it is, they took it upon themselves to edit all their books with uh, swear words. Oh, the back of this is a novel as an ad for the novelization of The Rocketeer. Yes. Did you read a lot of novelizations of movies when you were a kid? Oh, tons of them. I did yeah. too. I read them all the time. Did it ever make you crazy when they would describe scenes that were very clearly in the script that never made it into the movie? Yeah, because sometimes like I would read a novelization before the movie came out. Yeah. Even then, and I, oh, I, yeah. I might like expect something to happen. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Or like, or vice versa. Like after seeing the movie, I'm like, wait, what? Like this is. Just... I made the most dense joke. I think we talked about this in the past in um, the dice box thing that I did for for oh, Jim yeah, yeah. Lee, where I made like a fandom that found the novelization of the fictional dice box movie adaptation, and they were excited about the novelization because it can't contain the deleted scene. Yeah. So they transcribed it and posted it to this fan form. This again is a dense, stupid joke, <laughs> but I love it. One of one of the best movie novelizations of all time is the novelization for the Goonies. Have I gone off about this on the podcast no, you before? Have not. Uh, it's it's the catcher in the rye for twelve year olds. <laughs> it is written. Oh God, who the fuck wrote it? It is written. Here, I'll Google it. It is written in the perspective of Mikey. You know the main really? character. It's all that first never person. Happens. It's all first person. It's like like he's keeping a diary, and it goes off the fucking rails from the story like crazy. There's a whole section where 
in the middle of the story, like, the Goonies all get on a raft, uh-huh. uh, and they end up, like, floating on this underground lake for about, for a couple of hours, uh-huh. and they, they're just coasting on this current, and they can't see anything, you know, because it's in the middle of the night, they're on an underground lake, all they, they have is, like, a torch, and they can't see anything beyond the raft, yeah. except for once or twice they see, like, a couple shark fins, like, floating in the water past them, yeah. and so they know how to keep their, like, their, 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 their limbs out of the water, yeah. and so this whole chapter in the middle of the book is, uh, in order to pass the time, all the Goonies just talking about what they would do if they could have their like like superpowers or if they had all the money in the world yeah just talking about their hopes and dreams and aspirations like data talks about i think he talks about building an underwater uh like base where he would invite all of his friends to live with like including yeah. the other goonies and like hide away from the world in case there's a nuclear war and they would have like movie theaters and video game arcades and stuff like yeah. that and like it's the it's the greatest most lyrical little thing that i don't i don't even know if this is with the, uh, a deleted scene from the movie or something that yeah. was scripted but never filmed but it's the best part of the book and it's just in this stupid goonies movie novelization but it's a legitimately great written scene hmm. it's one of, the, of any of all the books i ever read as a kid that was one of the ones that kind of like really like made me really happy a lot as a kid that like some adult would take it upon himself like writing this you know novelization of a movie that you know you don't have to write this whole scene because like but it was just so well written that like hmm. i don't know it just kind of blew my i i can't even tar- articulate exactly why i like it so much but he is apparently be- james khan yeah that's who it is yeah uh, apparently best known for his novelization of star wars episode uh uh you're gonna get mad at me for not being able to read that one hope? for return of the jedi oh uh, okay um he well, also wrote novelizations shit. for poltergeist and temple of doom <laughs> No, but like I was talking. Oh, he like... wrote for Melrose Place and Star Trek: The Next Generation. He was oh, he the producer did? of Melrose Place from 1996 to 1998. Oh my god, I, I never thought about him having a career. Where's my he oh. was a medical specialist. Yeah, the Goonies. It's first person. Uh, I was talking with Phil. He wrote for ER. Yeah, I had no idea he did anything other than the Goonies. He wrote for Xena. Oh Jesus, Voyager. Oh, he did? Yep. Oh, my God. Apparently now he's mostly focusing on music, specifically Americana and folk music. But, uh, uh, actually a couple weeks ago, Phil Theobald uh, from Nintendo Power and the Player One podcast, he was Mm. talking about movie novelizations because he was Mm. looking at how how great the Gremlins movie novelization was. And so I was like, oh, man, have you read the Goonies novelization? He's like, no. And I was like, man, you got to check this shit out. It's amazing. And, like, Chris Columbus wrote the screenplay for Goonies? Like, that Chris Columbus? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. He did, like, Chris uh, Chris Columbus, he did that, uh, he wrote Goonies, he wrote Gremlins, he wrote Home Alone, and... Oh, he directed Home Alone. Oh, that's what it was. I think that was, that's what I think of him. Yeah. And that's how we got, like, all of his shit together. The fucking Harry Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, like, I was so bummed that Harry Potter, the first two Harry Potter movies were so kind of bland. Yeah. Because the Goonies and the Gremlins are fucking fantastically written little goofy kids movies. And it seems like he lost his edge. Well, that's well, a, they're two kind of different audiences too. Harry Potter's exactly, gonna be, yeah. yeah. A and B. Sometimes you get older and you're not as spunky and hard nosed as you were when yeah, you were yeah. full of piss and vinegar as a younger person. Yeah. I say that as a decrepit twenty eight year old. Let's put it the who way: has lost her spark. <laughs> <laughs> the Harry Potter movies could have used at least the first two could have used more uh, spark from the Goonies novelization. <laughs> Oh, James Conn, get in here. Did Put down that, that fiddle. Harry Potter Blu-ray collection that came out that 
I was so tempted to get. <laughs> it's a the three hundred. Well, I think the retail price is like five hundred dollars. Yeah. But Amazon uh, has it for three fifty. It's uh you know the, it's it's the first real collection of all the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. It's thirty two discs. Wow. Because I think. Does each movie have, like, an extended edition or something like that? But it comes, like, you get the Blu-ray version of each movie, you get the DVD version, and I guess each one also comes with a digital version on disc. And mm-hmm. so for eight movies, all those discs, and I think there's yeah. for each movie, there's also a disc of bonus content. Yeah, all the bonus content. And so, yeah, that's, like, 32 discs. Man. But it comes in, like, a fake wooden uh, Hogwarts case that folds yeah. out, and it's got all these secret compartments and stuff. Oh, it's adorable. And it comes with maps and artwork. Like, it's and one of the best parts is it has a map uh, of the grounds of Hogwarts showing yeah. like exactly where s- different scenes in which movies take place. That's oh, really that's the great. only reason I want to get this. But then I realized I was like, you know, I'm probably just better off just trying to uh, buy a copy of that map off of eBay for fifty bucks. Yeah, and spending three hundred fifty dollars just to get this set. Yeah, you know what? This is almost as exciting. I was looking at um, Xbox Live demos yeah. last night, um, and <laughs> there's a game out called Harry Potter: The Connect Game. Or something like that. Yeah. The cover. I downloaded the demo for it. I haven't actually played it yet. The cover is a terrible picture of of um uh not Daniel Craig, Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson. She's kind of staring at you, the gamer. And I read the description, and a part, apparently part of it is you use Connect to take a photo of your face to make the avatar of your young wizard. Oh no! And it looks like all, literally all the worst that could exist from Connect. Oh. I'm so excited to play because my new house I like, can actually play Connect. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll find. I'll report. Back Back next week. It's gonna be ridiculous. I'm so excited. Aww. No Rupert Grant on the cover. Poor Rupert Grant did not get screen time. So oh, I, guess... I wanted to say that's the one movie that I watched in the last two weeks. I want to talk about. It only reminded me because there's Rupert Grant and his magical ice cream no. machine. I watched another crime film that had Rupert, Rupert Grant before, and for whatever reason, it's a crime film not made in America, so it made me think of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this movie called Headhunters. It is, I think. I'm going to be racist against Europe now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think it's like, um, it's not Norwegian. Dutch. I don't know. Anyway, it's about this guy. Something. This guy who, who is a headhunter for um, recruiting for high-end um, uh, tech industries in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually an art thief and he uses his interviews to find out where all these wealthy successful businessmen keep their valuables and then breaks into their homes and swaps their art out for fakes okay. and then you know lives with his fabulous wife who thinks he's very very wealthy and he has this fabulous house and he's drowning in debt because he's living more extravagantly than his thievery can keep up with yeah and he meets what is his name uh, like Nick, Nick or- you know, Waldo Sto, whatever his name is, who plays um, Jamie Lannister on oh, Game really? of Thrones. Okay. He meets that guy, and uh, who has this amazing original piece that his grandmother got when she was dating a German who during World War Two, who took this art from sort of Parisian like uh, museum and gave it to her as a gift. Mm-hmm. And it's like this pr- invaluable piece of art that's been missing for fifty years. And so, of course, thief guy's like, "This is it. This is the big time. I'm going to steal this, sell it." Never have to steal anything again, and I'm set. Except that, what's his name? Jamie. I'm going to call him Jamie because I can't, I don't respect him enough. Yeah. He's just a slab of meat to me, a beautiful slab of meat. Jamie is like ex, like, like super special forces mm-hmm. and um, works in a tech industry. The reason why he's in the tech industry is that as a special forces person, he helps develop this insane tracking device that can track you anywhere. Yeah. And so when, when, when Dude Bro tries to steal from Jamie Lannister, Jamie Lannister just chases him down and it is almost it's kind of fascinating because it's almost a comedy 
in presentation for like the first half because the protagonist is such a schlubby looking dude he's super pale and slight and he's got this fabulous wife and the way it's filmed and the way it's edited and paced it is almost like a comedy yeah until the back end of the thing and terribly brutal things start happening wow. all these stuff it is so good i'm a sucker for crime films it's a great little crime film about this movie? um i had seen the trailer on apple trailers or whatever and i had okay, read yeah. reviews that said it was really really good and it kind of passed my way until it finally was on itunes and uh, my wife and i were in the mood to watch something and just i took a gamble and we, i mostly watched it most people paid attention to it because it's jamie lannister in it. yeah and it, it was like the last the movie that came out right when game of thrones first came on so people were like oh it's J- jamie lannister gotta watch this jamie lannister be sexy he's a beautiful man beautiful man so because my wife and i are the worst lesbians in the world headhunters super good if you like crime films at all if you like editing and artist photography like it's not, you can rent it everywhere online okay. i don't know if it was like netflix or anything i don't think so i rented it off itunes oh, okay. it was well worth the four bucks or whatever it cost to rent it headhunters really really good man cabin in the woods is that mm-hmm. on itunes right now i think so i think it just came out this week yeah because it seems like something that should come out for you know that's written by joss whedon mm-hmm. at least i think it's written by joss whedon he wrote and directed it with drew goddard and i saw it's on dvd but like i saw itunes is only selling it you have to like spend 20 bucks to buy it. you can't just rent it for like five I hate bucks that which is weird though when it yeah arbitrarily does that you know? yeah i hate that bullshit what, the what else bill what else what else you? happened blah, blah, blah. um one last thing uh man have you ever eaten at Petit for uh provence yes what do you think it was three years ago, and I can't remember. Oh, man. I just went there for the first time. Uh, it's like a French bistro that's actually just on the bus line that Annie has to take to get here now. Yeah. Uh, man, they had the best French onion soup. Oh, my God. My head almost exploded. Like, this is back last Saturday when it started getting cold here. It started kind of, like, turning a tunnel. Like, you know, the weather started feeling all kind of, like, fall-like, yeah. and it was beautiful. And so, uh, Joshua Bahar like and I we went to Petit Provence, and, man, this French onion soup, I just had a cup of it. I didn't even have a whole bowl. Yeah. It was almost all just onion and cheese. Oh, yeah. Like, melted cheese, like, all the yeah, way through. They, like, I, like, even architecturally, like, structurally, I don't know how they made this bowl of soup. Because you think it's going to be mostly, like, you know, French onion soup, you, you have some bread and some cheese on the very top, and you yeah. eat that, and the rest of it is all just the, 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 the liquid soup. This thing, the whole thing was just, like, melted, like strands of melted cheese throughout the whole thing so i guess like like and it was like the, the bread was just sopping up the french onion soup and it was just like it was like a real meal just like this little cup yeah. of soup like about the size of like like not like a dixie cup but like a little soup cup yeah maybe the best soup i've ever had in my entire life it's like a three dollar awesome. cup of soup soup i fucking love soup yeah oh i had an amazing food moment yeah i found finally after how many years i live up here finally found good texas brisket where'd you find i found a place a little food cart called like roadrunner barbecue something like that Mm -hmm. they do mesquite smoked brisket (sighs) that good huh i don't need to go home to texas ever again it tastes it's that good oh man it's that good they get it i talked to these guys they're actually texans and um apparently they um, they understand they get it because good what what most um northerners don't understand is they people think that barbecue is about the sauce you put on it mm-hmm. that that's what Wait, makes it barbecue it's called like roadrunner barbecue or something oh, yeah. like that um and uh 
it's uh, real barbecue is about a really good cut of well smoked meat that's moist and flavorful, mm-hmm. and the 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 sauce is but an accent to it yeah. because you're not just throwing sauce on bad meat and calling it good. And most of the places here in Portland, it's all brisket's fucking dry. It's yeah. nasty. It's no flavor. Well, I know a lot of people like to go to what was it like? Uh, goddamn, there's Padnas. Yeah, There's... I've had brisket in a couple places around town. It's always it's been super been dry. Bad, but if well, you've the... had good brisket, it's fucking you know. Yeah, it's like I need to find um, chicken fried steak, and I will literally never need to go to Texas ever again. Oh man! Oh, and I also had Ruby Jewel's ice cream, uh, uh, peanut butter chocolate ice cream sandwich. Yeah, have you heard about Ruby Jewel's? It's a local ice cream yeah. shop. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I've and been they there. actually sell they sell stuff actually in Mississippi. Yeah, you can get their stuff at Fred Meyer's too, and they yeah. sell ice cream sandwiches. It's kind of expensive. It's like three or four dollars for oh, an it's ice, cream local sandwich. ice cream. It's like handmade ice cream products. Uh, yeah, their peanut butter ice cream is fantastic. It's a uh, peanut butter flavored ice cream with real peanuts in it. With, like, a chocolate cookie that if you like it soft for a while. Oh. So, basically, Eric Amon just looks at it and get hives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. I should have brought some here and get, given her some and killed her. But she would have been so happy with the delicious <laughs> What taste. a way to go, you know? Uh, so, no, that, that, that was pretty much my week. Is that all you had, too? That's it, my friend. All right, friends, we're going to take a little break. And we'll come back for the Geek Week interview. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just made Annie watch an animated gif of Emma Watson dancing with Jimmy Kimmel. Which is funny, because she's actually really hot and attractive, but oh, see, to Annie's mind, she's always going to be 11 years old, uh, she's Hermione Granger. She's a baby. Yeah. adorable little baby. You understand, I'm old enough that all people, all hot people are now babies. <laughs> When you get to be 30, babies. you're just like, look at all these hot babies I want to have sex with. <laughs> I just want I just want to put, pull the pacifiers out of their mouths and swap them for my penis. What? <laughs> oh, Andy does not like that. Are you talking about child rape? Let's, oh, don't, don't actually say the words. Baby rape. Hey, guys, let's talk about rape. Baby rape. How you doing, baby rape? What are you saying? Not playing with you. <laughs> when the kids need, uh. Stop it! Just don't! Okay, Geek Week interview! Geek Week no, interview! You want, Geek Week you interview! Had something to say. Geek Week! No, I didn't! Geek Week interview! Geek Week interview! You were talking about those. Somebody was hot. Oh, uh, Lindsay Lohan. No, I'm not saying she was hot. I'm saying I also saw an animated gift of someone took pictures of her when she was a baby, threw them on her no day. Wants to dance morphing, with her. morphing from one face to another, seeing the progression. I still, when I think of Lindsay Lohan, I think of like Mean Girls era, yeah. or even earlier. Like, was there any other era trap. than Mean Girls and then alcoholic <laughs> mess? Just, it's just do? weird. It doesn't seem like the same person. Yeah. It's like there's just this terrifying crack fic version of Lindsay Lohan. What they need to do, like, is show me that animated gift, and I will edit it so it goes. For from her, like Mean Girls. No, like wasn't she like in like yeah, like, which is like a child, like actor. a baby actress. Yeah, yeah, and then she's like Mean Girls, and then she's an alcoholic, and then suddenly turns into the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark when people's faces are melting <laughs> off. <laughs> and I don't think it's the alcohol we have to worry about as much as the God. Else. Anyway, yeah. Geek Week in review. What's you Valve what's is messing around. Hey everybody, Valve is messing around with developing virtual reality. Well, I goggles. forgot to research this more. Did you read this new story? Because no. I didn't. <laughs> well, Valve has been noodling. Everyone freaks out whenever. 
whenever Valve makes any sounds towards any sort of um, hardware development. Well, the, they actually finally admitted that they were working with making hardware. Because yeah. like, they had uh, put out notices that they were looking for people to help design hardware before. But then Valve was always kind of like, well, maybe we didn't, that, you know. You're know, always cagey about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you don't talk about products until they're, like, developed. But it sounds like, uh, like rather than uh, doing the Steam box or what, it, like, rather than doing a console or a PC or anything like that, it sounds like they're more just investigating, like, controllers and stuff like Well, they've that. been talking a lot, like, Gabe Newell has said multiple times, it's dumb that we still use a mouse and keyboard. Yeah, which There's it is. Got someone be... who plays consoles and can't, yeah. has a real hard time making the switch to the mouse and keyboard bullshit. Yeah. yeah, that is archaic. That's been the way that people have been controlling computers for the last 40 years. And it is a huge barrier for, you know, dude bro gamer yeah. lady pal who's never played Articulate Annie. Annie. Annie is the person Annie's that's down for. Annie's blood Oh, man. EA is releasing a Bin Laden map pat for Medal of Honor. <laughs> the words, penis, Fuck you, soccer Mildred. ball, chicken hunt. I'm tired. I want either more whiskey or not to have had any whiskey. Have some rum! No. I'm Where'd not. You put my rum? I hid it from you. You cannot be trusted with your rum. Andy stole my rum. God damn. Medal of Honor. You didn't add this. Warfighter. I remember what it's called because Warfighter is the best and Fucking worst Christ. title in the world. It's like something from the Simpsons universe. They have an Osama bin Laden map pack for it. I did not research this anymore. Let's go on to the next point. Bill hasn't researched very much. The title of the next Star Trek film is officially Star Trek Into Darkness. I researched this. It's stupid. That is so stupid. Well, you know. So you're using Star Trek as a verb? What are other Star Trek titles, I mean, titles, to be fair, Bill? the phrase Star Trek in general <laughs> is so dopey. But Star Trek Into Darkness is just so like... Uh, they're in space. Isn't space by its definition? Yeah, oh, they're kind of like, yeah. Star Trek Out of My Dreams and Into My Car. Yeah. That's my title. <laughs> to be fair, you're in Star Trek and you wake up and take a shit. You're already <laughs> trekking into darkness just doing that. If you're a big fan of Star Trek, your life is already dark. <laughs> you don't need... I'm sorry, that was too oh, mean. Oh, God. Maybe the Chris love... Pine is pretty. Maybe That's my feeling on the Ray Star Trek Ray Charles shows up. He's the villain on this one. <laughs> well, it's both... <laughs> the darkness. <laughs> because, Garrett, he's black and he's blind. Oh, oh I'm God. I'm going to move on to the next point. This is going to be a fast one, friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We spent an hour and a half talking to uh, Matt and Erica when they showed up and interrupted the podcast. So <laughs> we lost all we of our mojo. We low on gas. Ben Kachura figured out that the vast majority of the 700,000 Twitter followers on an NBA Connect basketball game that Majesco is cr- uh, crowing about are fake or bot. It's actually a really interesting little article, a good little bit of investigative game journalism. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's more followers than, like, for the Call of Duty Twitter and the Assassin's Creed It's almost Twitter. a million followers. Yeah. yeah. In, like, no time at all. And, uh, who was publishing this? Was it was on the Pay Arcade Report. Uh, whoever's publishing the oh, game Majesco. was claiming that it was just because they had, uh, they, I guess they were offering to give away free copies yeah. via Twitter. So that, oh, that's how we got all these Twitter followers. What's really interesting but is Ben Kachura pointed out that, like, they had exactly something like an exact number like 2,574 new followers a day. Yeah. Like well, exactly. Also, every I didn't day. realize the thing you can run uh, Twitter accounts through this online thing which will tell you how many Twitter followers of a particular account are uh, from dead or brand new accounts yeah. or from active real users and how many are bots. I don't look at any of that stuff because I don't want to know. I like going, oh, I have like 330 followers and not, oh, 300 of those are like profile pictures of... Yeah, well, he broke down the number. It seems to be like if you have about a 30 of your followers or bots, that's Mm -hmm. pretty much the average. 
yeah. uh, the, for this uh, NBA game, something like 94%. Yeah. Turned out to be, like, either from inactive or bot accounts. Yeah. And so it was just a weird, just to see a company just kind of, like, manipulate Twitter to make it seem like this. I never yeah. heard about this game until this article came out. It's an NBA Connect game. Yeah. I guess it's, does it have, like, a, like, is there a basketball There's an actual accessory? basketball accessory. Yeah, I mean, you I saw Jerry from uh, Basketball. Kid was flipping out about how fun it was. Yeah. But he was also talking about how he's got the perfect environment because he has a hardwood floor and has a large living room that's I'm been set up I'm actually really excited because my new house, I have the perfect living room for oh, um, right. Connect. Like, all I have to do is move my furniture out of the way. I've got bamboo floors. My TV is mounted on the wall. My Kinect is at the right level. Yeah. I, I have the perfect You're going to buy Dance Central 3? <laughs> no. Oh, man. So do you hey. care about Gi- uh, Giant Bomb at all? I don't have the time in my life to consume Giant Bomb. That is all boils down to. Man, this shows the difference in our lifestyles. <laughs> you don't have the time to listen to a three-hour podcast. I watched eight hours of their Giant Bomb live cast uh, wow. yesterday. I guess every year Giant Bomb has a whole day where they just broadcast stupid shit on yeah. video from their home base. Yeah. And uh, this year uh, they had a whole bunch of people from Dan Central come out and showing off that game. That game looked awesome. I I didn't realize this is actually a real thing. Uh, Justin McElroy used to uh, used to be an editor at Joystick, now works for Polygon. Yeah. Uh, he, when he was a kid, he's from West Virginia. When mm-hmm. he was a kid, he starred in a uh, TV show called The Time Belt. Really? About, which was, I think it was put on by whatever, like, PBS Yeah, like, station. local broadcast station. It was supposed to be, like, how Justin McElroy, uh, he journeys through time to explore West Virginia history. And so, I guess wow. the people at Dance Central were inspired by this to create a dance called the Time Belt. Really? <laughs> so, I guess you're supposed to be dancing around. Oh. And it's a real thing in the game. I didn't realize people had joked about this, but I thought they were just fucking around. But this is a real fucking thing they put in this game, which is hilarious. I hope Justin McElroy gets to review that game for Polygon. It'll be amazing. Oh, God. Oh, there's a whole other thing with Call of Duty that was amazing at the end of last week's podcast. This is nothing to do with the Geek Review, but... Um, I saw this thing. It was good. It was awesome. I saw internet. Internet. Internet is so good. Internet, stop listening to my interminable <laughs> podcast. Go no, listen to but this. But the giant bomb cast ended with, uh, as the podcast wrapped up, uh, Did you, you've never really played Call of Duty, right? I've played the last two Call of Duty games. At the end of Call of Duty 4? Maybe the last the three first of them. Call of Duty? That's great you <laughs> can say that. Well, like, when people yeah. refer to Grand Theft Auto 3 is the first Grand Theft Auto. That's It's true. Um, well, I guess the last stage in that, there's a bonus stage at the end of the, the first Call of Duty, quote-unquote Call of Duty 4, where it's not related to the story at all. It's just you're on an airplane trying to rescue the president from, uh, like, a... Uh, terrorists oh i vaguely remember this yeah and you get like supposedly this is one of the hardest achievements to get on the 360 is uh if you beat the stage not only do you have to beat the stage in 30 seconds you have to beat it on the game's highest difficulty uh-huh. uh yeah it's just you just plowing through this like really linear like you're yeah. flying through an airplane fuselage yeah and you have to get from point a to point b in 30 seconds without dying that's all you have to do and it's one of the hardest things in, in gaming to do supposedly at least with console gaming and so uh, uh one of the guys from giant bomb he made it his mission that he was going to end the podcast last night. It took him about an hour and a half, but he did pull it off. And it didn't seem like he was going to do it for the longest time because he was getting his ass kicked by the like, last minute last night. He did it. And to watch that live on the Giant Bombcast was amazing. That's so, not interesting. Well, no, no. There's always, it's always fascinating to see like games, games as um, uh, like um, sporting, like yeah. almost like a sporting event, like watching someone do something impossible. And seeing him do this again and again and for like an hour and a half. Well, it got to the point where I wasn't even watching. I was just at it mm-hmm. almost playing Skyrim. Yeah. But just, it was almost like watching someone at like a friend play a game. Like, because yeah. it was like this one, because th- the stage is only 30 seconds long yeah and so like over the course of an hour and a half 
God, whatever the math is on that, he probably played it literally over a hundred times. But it was great that he actually did it at the end, and, like, everyone at the Giant Bomb, like, uh, HQ just the fuck out. I saw Twitter was exploding. Oh my god, Team Brad, you're so awesome. Oh, is that what Team Brad was? That was okay. Yeah, it was Brad Shoemaker who 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 beat uh yeah the hardest stage in Call of Duty. It was just it was just really fun. Yeah, again with like a uh, social media kind of it's kind of like friends online. Except yeah. they don't know who you are and you barely know who they are. But it's kind of nice. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Sony is in deep shit, says Bill. There's a great article breaking down how exactly just how and why Sony is in serious financial trouble with a company almost in as much debt as the entire company's value is worth. With people pointing to the PlayStation 3 as a perfect example as to why the company is failing. Engineers gone crazy slash too ambitious with executives powerless to stop them. It's Nintendo in reverse. Yeah, this isn't necessarily news that Sony's falling apart, but... Uh... This is actually an article I've seen uh, bounded around online uh, for a while now. But did you get a chance to see this? Mm-mm, I didn't even hear it. It's a it. very cool. It essentially breaks down. This is not. Uh, this is actually written by a financial analyst. Ooh. It's not written by. I love when non-gaming people write about gaming. It's but a lot of this is about gaming because uh, he uses the uh, non-gaming smart people. I should say. Yeah. Talk about gaming. But the, the the PlayStation Three is used as an example of everything that Sony's been doing wrong for the last decade. Decade. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because they talk about how Sony, I guess, it was founded by two engineers. Yeah, and these two engineers, uh, when I don't know how old Sony is, but like they founded the company, uh, they they had failed at like, they they knew what it took to uh, to create an like a good product. Mm-hmm. Took a lot of time and money. Yeah, and uh, and so the company is built built on this idea that like the people in control of the company are the engineers, not the executives. Sure. And so that's why Sony is always, like, they, they really believe in high-quality products, but yeah. they don't believe on trying to get them out on time or make them well, affordable. When you look at the PS3, it is a awesome piece of hardware. Yeah, exactly. Like, when I remember look, when I first got the PS3, uh, 1946 is when I was founded, um, uh, when I got the PS3, I could not, like, as I was going through it, I'm like, this is not really terribly, like, intuitive, yeah. but this is so much better than the Wii and Xbox. Like, all the things that were in it, like, I can stick my SD card in it and look at my photos. It's got, like, 12 USB slots. I can watch any video I want just out of the bag, like, that I downloaded. It's got SD delivered. card slots. Yeah. And, like, I can I can stream music. There's a web browser in it. It's not like, very good, but then it but was, there was one there, yeah, exactly, like, from yeah. the start. You know, and it's like, there is Linux connectivity. But that also costs $600. Blu-ray. And, and that's because the people running Sony, are, essentially, are the engineers are calling the shots. And so yeah. they're not worried about, like, marketing or how much anything's going to cost. Well, they just ex- want to make the best product possible. It is without- exactly like when I go to the Leatherman store and I look at the $500 pocket knife that has yeah. all these tools and I don't even know what they do. And I see why it costs $500, but I don't need its $500 pocket knife when I don't know what half of it does. Yeah. And it's interesting because they talk about, like, uh, Sony, from, like especially in the last uh, 20 or 30 years, it's made all of its money off of, uh, well, it, it, one of its first big successes was the Walkman. That yeah. was a big deal. Uh, but also Sony had a big hand in uh, inventing CD technology. Yeah. And Sony's gotten by for a lot of, like, the last two decades by just by royalties from, like, selling CDs or from yeah. the profitability of CDs and stuff. And so Sony keeps on looking for another media thing. device that will make like some not not a media device but a media format mm-hmm. that can like be will be the CD of the future, which yeah. that's not going to happen no. because the future is all like hard drives and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not going to be like anything you can make a disc out of or anything right. like that. But like how they've tried to like strike gold again with like the UMD for the 
PSP or like yeah. even the fact that like none of their products use SD cards. They use like the the, the proprietary, proprietary memory like sticks. memory sticks and stuff like that. And how this is all engineers calling the shots because they want to be the person who invents the next CD. Yeah. And so instead of like tr- like worrying about how useful uh, any of their products are to anybody, they just want to be the person who yeah just just invents the next big thing that's going to make you know Sony a billion dollars. And they also talk about how this has led the company, especially in the last 10 years, where, like, all this hubris and stuff has led the company now to, for every dollar the company owns in assets, it owns 80 cents in debt. Oh, really? Which it's barely treading water in it right now, financially. Oh, man. Because, like, people have been talking about how Sony's not doing this well. So this guy sat down and investigated, like, exactly what these numbers mean, and he compared, uh, like, uh, Sony to Microsoft and Apple and Nintendo. Mm-hmm. He talked about all the companies have debt. Yeah. Which, you know, th- what are you going to do? Well, there do? is such a thing as good debt, too. But it seems like but things are also, not... like, not, not not only are things bad for Sony, but, like, the track records, things are are going to get worse. Yeah. And so, like, even this this article, he just talks about he doesn't know, like, how long, much longer Sony might may even be, like, a viable company. I just, there's, the, Sony, to me, is literally just a mechanism through which I get Naughty Dog games. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that is literally my only point of reference, for, and that means that I wish them all the luck in the world. It'll be interesting to see what the PlayStation 4 is, assuming it gets unveiled next year. Yeah, I'm really curious about it. I'm sure it's going to be stripped it. down. It's not going to be what the PlayStation 4 is. It can't be the PlayStation is. 3 again. Yeah, it can't They be. can't afford it to be. And, well, yeah, and like I said, this Which, article... like I said, is such a shame, because the, the PlayStation 3, empirically... Is the better piece of hardware. Well, Empiric- from a user's point of view, supposedly it's a bitch to design for. Well, it's for. notorious to design for. Yeah, because the engineers, they weren't worried about, like, how you're going to program software with this thing. Yeah. They're just like, it can do crazy things. We're not worried about, like, making it easy to people. But just pound for pound, it's better. Yeah. And yet, it's worse. It yeah. is in every way. It doesn't way. break down that easily. Yeah, and, and yeah. it doesn't, it's, it's less intuitive to use. Discovery is a bitch. Like, yeah. it's just, it's it's one of those things where if you know to look, if you know how to use it, it's great. Yeah. And if you don't, it's crap. And the reason I say this is kind of the opposite of Nintendo, because Nintendo really is all executives. Not to say yeah. N- Nintendo products aren't well designed, but in terms of, like, the culture within yeah. the company, where Nintendo is really all about the software yeah. and, and the fun factor of things, yeah. rather than... We're going to blow... If anything, Nintendo always puts out... Well, not always puts out... But, like, the Wii was the cheapest yeah. piece of hardware they put out there. Still sturdy, reliable, but they're not really that worried about blowing people away with their hardware as long as it just makes these games because exactly. they just want to sell software. And uh, we can talk about Nintendo in a little bit. But, yeah, so anyway, this is interesting. Uh, maybe I'll put a link to the, to, to the article in the show notes about the Sony stuff. But, yeah, that's not really news as much as just interesting... Just to see that link get bounced around all over the internet. In happier news, E.T. is coming to theaters for one day only on October 3rd. Yay! You're going to be there, right? You love E.T. I feel so strongly no about E.T. No one gives a shit about <laughs> E.T. Uh, this is another thing I've been thinking about. Like, of all the movies that came out in 1982, like, was it Tron? Did Tron come out in 1982? Like, and even, like, Blade Runner. Like, those movies were failures, but they seem to actually, like, have, have more had cultural, a longer, yeah, yeah. longer-lasting effect on the culture than E.T., which is the movie that destroyed everything in the early 80s. Not even just 1982, though. It was, like, the biggest cultural... Tron post. was released in 82. Yeah. So. But, yeah, E.T.'s coming back. I'm assuming it's gonna have the shotguns and not the walkie-talkies this time. Iron- Man, this next piece of news, yes! Iron Chef, or at least some variation of it, is making a comeback in Japan. Mm-hmm. Tell not- me about tell me about Iron Chef, Bill. Have you not have I not made you watch Iron you Chef? You have Bill, you sent me VHS tapes of Iron Chef yes. when we were bros. I've seen Iron when Chef. When we were bros. Nile. Back in the day. Yeah. I met when we were male I know exactly, bros. yeah. No, Iron Chef I, I, you don't watch Iron Chef is though, right? Iron I know Chef, what Iron Chef is, yeah. Yeah, it was a cooking show yeah. on 
Fuji TV like the 12, dude, 15 the bro- years ago. The guy with the, the opening sequence and his like severity. And, He's like dressed like a gay prince. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> gay prince. Well, I guess so. Fuji's announced that they're actually going to bring them back the show in Japan. No one knows exactly if it's going to be like if it's if they're just going to try to bring back the old show in the same format. If it's going to be a whole new cast or if it's going to be a different. Who knows? But hey, Iron Chef is fantastic. Chef is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations, Bill. I'm very excited. Man, all they really need to—I mean, I'm sure there'll be new chefs because I'm sure all the old chefs have moved on and do and are doing things. But as long as they have Chairman Kaga, that's all they need because that—that's the Prince guy, and that the whole fiction of Iron Chef is that he's the guy running the castle. Is (laughs) Is that what it is? Yeah, because the fiction is that Chairman Kaga. Yeah. He's this prince or something like that. (laughs) Really? The show does not take place in the soundstage. It takes place at his castle. I had no idea there was a narrative to it. He has assembled the Iron Chefs, which are the greatest chefs of their respective cuisines, and forced them to do battle so he can taste the best cuisine in the world. So that is the fiction. I didn't know. Yeah, that, there's a fiction. So hopefully they, I, I, I hope they don't like get more realistic with the new show. I hope they like maybe it'll be Kaga's like son or something like that takes over for him or something. But yeah, no, Iron Chef is fucking amazing that way. Plus the Japanese with like, kind of like the weird like arbitrary theatricalness of it all. Yeah. You're talking about a show where the secret ingredient every week gets raised up on a pillar of, <laughs> of fucking dry ice. And it'll be like, a, like a 500 pounds of dead fish. I had no secret idea. Secret ingredient. Dead fish. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Jonathan Banks, Mike from Breaking Bad, will show up as Ben Wyatt's dad on this season of Parks and Recreation. Man, I am so excited about Parks and Rec. I think it starts back, like, in the it's end of the month. Well, mid-September, yeah. It's going to be sooner than later, probably within a week. Man, my TV shows are coming back. Yeah, they're all coming back. And Great. you got one of the guys from Breaking Bad, one of the best actors from Breaking Bad. They announced who's going to play Ben Wyatt's mom, too, I think, and I can't remember who it was. It's going to be someone else from Breaking Bad. It's going to be Brian Cranston. <laughs> Brian Cranston in a wig and lipstick. God, so that's great. Yeah, that's always good to hear. Terry Crews of Idiocracy, Everyone Hates Chris, and the newer Old Spice commercials will be on a, the new season of Arrest Development. That is fantastic. Terry, Gr- Terry Crews is fucking awesome. Have you seen it? You, you haven't seen Idiocracy? I'm sure. No, I still have not. I mean, I mean to. He's one of the best parts of it, uh, Everyone Hates Chris. <laughs> yeah, but you've seen the old New Spice commercials. He's not the no, sexier. I never watch quiet. TV. Oh, really? You don't know this guy? No. Terry Crews is fucking hilarious. Here, I'm Googling him furtively to see You'll his know. Face. You'll at least recognize him when you see his face. Yeah, he played uh, President Hector Camacho. What the hell? Oh, that guy! That guy. He's great and beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm he's... I'm saying. Oh, man. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I guess he was in the movie White Girls. Somebody was uh, passing around a YouTube clip last night. Uh, there's a whole scene where he sings, like, like is it like a Kenny G song? Yeah. Like, you know, the movie White Girls about two black guys are trying to pass them off as white, pass themselves off as white sorority girls. And so I guess Terry Crews takes one of them out on a date. And the date ends with him, like, like about to drop off this black guy who's dressed like a white girl. And suddenly starts singing Kenny G's, like, all super sincere. He's like, I love you. That guy is fucking hilarious. Yeah, so, yeah, Arrested Development. That is a perfect fit for him. Uh, MTV has killed he- Headbangers Ball. I didn't even know it was still on. Uh, you know what? Actually, they canceled the show on MTV proper. Then I guess it got turned into a TV show that was only exclusive to, like, MTV Europe. Yeah. And then it got demoted to just being a web-only show for the MTV oh. net website. Yeah. Which, I, the guy, whoever was hosting it uh, right now, he said he was host, he was writing, shooting it, producing and editing it all by himself, I guess, like, in his bedroom or something like that, mm-hmm. practically for free. Oh. 
and that's why he was super sad because like he's like I'm not losing it literally any money because it does not cost any money. I'm the only person doing the show. Oh man, Just, that and, poor like, guy. Yeah. He was holding out the the flame. Yeah, the flame all by himself. And I, the only reason I even care about Headbangers Ball that was my only influence, my only experience of heavy metal music before uh, going to high school in the early '90s because like I knew a bunch of like heavy mm-hmm. metal heads and people were like not even to, into normal heavy metal but like fucking. Like crazy satanic shit and stuff like that, but yeah, no, it's kind of a bummer. That's an old yeah. show, and that's one of like the backbones uh, that MTV kind of built its career on. Yeah, yeah, I really that was a big deal. Hey, guess what? MTV ain't MTV anymore. That has literally I been know. the punchline to every single cheap comics joke for the last what fifteen years. Well, it's, I've seen people talk about how too that MTV. I th- was this. I think this year is the twentieth anniversary of the first uh, Real World mm-hmm. uh, showing up on MTV, and the Real World was kind of like what opened the door to like. MTV is mostly television. reality, yeah, yeah, reality programming, and just reality program, programming in general. Uh, yeah, that I would say it wasn't that that was one of the first, but it was one of the first really popular, yeah, quote unquote reality TV. But, yeah. yeah, and that was twenty years. And I just think reality TV has been missing for like two decades now. Jesus uh, Christ! I mean, it didn't really get big until like Survivor and stuff. 10 I, years I, ago, I but. still don't like. I stopped watching most television right when reality TV really became yeah. the grotesque monster. Well, that's right when the internet became a big enough thing, you could start getting most your entertainment not from just tv yeah i just i never i always forget how much of tv is reality television until i go to a hotel and i'm like i'm gonna watch some tv go to your folks house all reality television that's it speaking of judgment mcelroy have you seen have you listened to the uh, the satellite dish you've talked about it at length on this podcast but yeah just he and his wife talking about the tv shows they watched this week it is like this except better (laughs) about tv Uh, so the full Lincoln trailer was released. I did not see this. Yeah. Bill notes, people are complaining that Lincoln doesn't sound like Lincoln. Of course Lincoln. Lincoln, for not history nerds, had a high, piercing, irritating voice. This is why his speeches were short. You didn't see the trailer, though. What is? What does he sound like in the trailer? He just keeps on giggling all the time. <laughs> Abe? Abe, are you ready to flee the slaves? It's Daniel Day Lewis, right? You can't recognize him. And he's got a silly haircut because I forgot like Lincoln had hair that kind of was yeah. poofy. Yeah. And so he looks kinda like He looks he looks kinda he like looks Conan like O'Brien. That's why it's so brilliant that um what's her name in her audiobook um, Assassination Vacation, uh, Sarah Vowell, had Lincoln voiced by Conan O'Brien. Oh yeah. A because Conan O'Brien kind of sounds a little bit like Lincoln has been described as sounding, and B because they have the same hair. I just love that people complain that Lincoln does not sound like Lincoln. Someone who's been dead for 150 years and no one <laughs> no actually one has ever actually heard his real speaking voice. Yeah, yeah. So that seems kind of interesting. Bobby, a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Bobby Roberts, says it looks like uh, Amistad too. I didn't know you stole the whole friend of the podcast line from uh, the Fat Boy uh, Court Fat Boy show. What? What did I do? I was listening to an episode the other day and they they used the phrase "friend of the podcast." I'm like, Bill stole that. Bill stole that from those poor boys. Did you pay them a nickel every time you Actually, used to Actually, I stole that from, uh... Did I steal... Did you steal it from Mike Russell, who was a frequent guest of... I think you stole that from Player One Podcast. Oh, okay. Is it a cosmic thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, friend of the podcast, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, of course, like, actually, Court and Fatboy is probably what solidified it in my imagination. Yeah. It, if I were to steal completely from the Player One Podcast, I would just refer to everybody as their uh, username, Annie Maloney. <laughs> 
Welcome, friend of the podcast. Uh, username Annie Maloney is here to talk with us this week about tampons. I also like how um, I asked you a number of times not to use my surname on this podcast. Like, literally over I and said over. Maloney. Because <laughs> I try not to. They don't know how to spell it. Annie Maroney. Your sister is so Let's famous keep talking in New about York. At length. Um, a- Amanda Palmer, Neil Gaiman's wife, who had a million dollar Kickstarter for her new album last year, album and tour, um, is asking pro and semi-pro musicians to play at her shows for free because she, quote, can't afford, unquote, the $35,000 it would cost to hire an actual band performer. Part of that Kickstarter was for her tour, too? Her counter-argument... Is that she's stupid? Is that she has a band. This is not for her entire band. These are just people who are going to be playing, like... Like a few songs in her show. No, that this is her is, counter argument. How much of a, if she needs to have at the minimum of six people? Okay, so she, what she's asking for it for each show for each venue is for uh people for a four string quartet to mm-hmm. appear and a horn section, which I'm assuming is a minimum of at least two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a section, not just one like single brass person. That's a minimum of six people. How much of a band? That's most of a band right there, aside from the drummer and maybe somebody on bass or guitar. Uh, I'm not defending her. I'm just saying that was her counter-argument. Her counter-argument is that she is touring yeah, no, with that band. Uh, some people have misinterpreted that as that she's hoping her entire band will be yeah. made up of Well, that was, that was how a lot of but the vitriol looked like, around real quick. It sounds like that... it's going to be her and like maybe two or three other people where most of the band is going to be volunteers. Yeah. This is for her profit show. Like, if she was doing a non-profit thing, that'd be understandable. But this is like, well, yeah, she, she raised over a million dollars on Kickstarter, and she this can't is, scratch up the 35... 35- well, here's the thing. This is the dark side of crowdsourcing. Yeah. This is the two faces of crowdsourcing. There's the one face where it's like, oh, well, you know, community Hakuna involvement. Hakuna Matata, and yeah, we're all Everybody friends. gets together. And then there's the dark side of crowdsourcing where you're doing work for me for free. Yeah. Like, every time I see one of my artist bros, like, flogging a new design they did for threadless that may or may not make them any money that's exactly the same thing yeah you're giving someone your effort for free and hope that maybe something will come from it yeah. it's exposure all over again but this is just like she seems to be willfully ignorant about like what why other people are complaining she her whole thing is like uh, if people want to volunteer that's fine who cares how you how anyone else spends their time but it just seems weird to like rely like especially if, if, if i were someone who's paying a ticket to go see your show knowing that most of the people on that stage are going to be like volunteers who had no practice time for any of these songs it just seems like that's not going to be a good sounding show and then she did admit she's going to hire uh real professionals for some of the larger venues that she's going to be playing at and then like well if she's going to do that then like it just seems kind of i don't know i don't know this is just an i like i said I it feel is a like tempest in a teapot this is one of those things where this is not be a big deal this is kind of her web personality in general this would never been a big deal if she had not done a kickstarter no exactly yeah but the fact that she made over a million dollars and she says she's out of money now how do you also how do you spend a million dollars on a fucking album well three hundred thousand dollars that went to taxes and kickstarter but still but the fact that like she even by her own admission would cost over 30 like at like thirty five thousand dollars to hire people thirty five thousand dollars out of like uh like out of a million even with the like uh, thirty thousand taken out or three hundred thousand like the top third of that million taken out that's still like ten percent what the everything high, to, to, to pay for most of your band for this tour the moral of every uh, single successful kickstarter i have ever read is that we've raised a lot of money and a lot of money isn't a lot of money yeah that's that's been i'm sure that if you looked at her finances this is not as skeezy as everyone wants it to be well also i mean she's like sure she's also married to a millionaire <laughs> she can just say hey, honey 
Dude, I don't know how many married couples you've... And do you, do like, you know how many married couples I've met who have separate bank accounts and their lives are entirely separate? But at least she could give these people a cut of the fucking door or something. This whole thing where she's like, ah, hippie bullshit. See, again, crowdsourcing, man. Crowdsourcing. Uh, where does crowdsourcing become... Stop being crowdsourcing and become stealing. It is great, though. You go to It work. is all dependent on how... It's all the spin you put her on it. blog post about this, like, all the comments are like, are you fucking crazy? Like, even people who aren't even angry about the lack of money, but just more her attitude. Just yeah. Being like, well, it's another thing, like, the Kickstarter, the Hater K guys, where it's like, is it just tone deaf? Yeah, that's what it seems to be more than anything like it's that. It's not necessarily what you're so, asking. Yeah, I can't the defend the Hater K guys and then kick Amanda Palmer in the nuts. Because yeah. it's the same thing. Where it it's is like, the same well, thing. Well-meaning people who just, I don't think they understand how they're kind of putting their, their own foot in their mouths and don't even see the This is another it. one of those things, though, where I totally get what they're asking for and why they're asking for it. This, to her, is no different from Kickstarter. This is her just saying, you've supported me in the past in this way. Mm. Here is another way you can support me. I just me. think your show's going to sound terrible, too. Uh, you know, it could. It could not. It could be, like, an interesting sort of vibe, you know? She may already sound terrible. Neil Gamer's like, honey, you sound so good. Just shut up and let me read write my next fucking Sandman comic. Anyway, in other news, the Art of Bioshock Infinite art book is coming from Dark Horse in February. Does this mean oh, Art Bioshock Infinite has to actually be released in February? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Isn't that when it's coming out? That's what they're saying, but it's been pushed back and pushed back. Oh, that's a good point, actually, yeah. If it gets done in time. Funny. Man, no, do not want to be working for those guys right now. <laughs> Jesus. So they have to finish like drawing up all the art that's going to be in the guy's book. <laughs> Uh, one last we are really just <laughs> I'm looking forward to that art book though god damn you gotta you, I love those damn Bioshock games I man the first chapter where it shows like all the early sketches with her tits so big I'm gonna love that shit oh man I, I forgot I, I forgot how she got a vasectomy I hope there's a whole through. at least one page for uh, the, the evolution of her tits throughout the concept. I didn't, when I first saw the uh, original trailer, I didn't really, I wasn't alarmed by her tits as most people were. But then when stuff. you go see, when you go watch the new stuff and then go back to the original, you're like, Jesus Christ! She had like H cups. <laughs> well, it didn't help that like her like, thing is designed to kind of like put Literally her tits up on to, a porch. To, yeah. yeah, she to had her porch. tits on a platter, yeah. To porch, there's the but tallest really like, bill. You got her face and that's a vertical and now down to her neck and then her tits are just like, can I, can I call this tit porch? Tit porch underline <laughs> titporch.com that's gotta be registered right oh. nintendo in in bill the most this exciting the preview yeah, um, the end of this week. i i missed all of this news because of work so yeah. i'm curious i don't know anything about this so this is oh, no, it's me about too late this. for me to make shit up <laughs> that's right bill the next nintendo system you can, you can elaborate cheese. you can elaborate i'll never know yeah um, nintendo finally unveiled the release date slash price of the wii u launch of uh, november 8th in the u.s with a 32 gig oh, i'm sorry uh november 18th in the u.s oh 18th uh with the 32 gigabyte deluxe i'm sorry cost- not 32 3.2 kind of shitty actually not gigabytes more just like this <laughs> no- <laughs> notebook and a pen <laughs> it's, it's like it, it's just the gaming manual with the two-page notes <laughs> in the back just right there where you left off that's right you don't have to save your game or install your software. Just leave the game on. Just leave the console on. Yeah, just don't say, hey, please, please. Please don't turn this off. You tape it to the top of the console. Mom, don't go near the Oh, Wii. man, one of the light switches in my living room controls the outlet that my console and my what? router is plugged into. You have to put like a metal box around. I'm gonna them. have to put a tape piece of tape on it. What with I'm this, gonna have to do? Any disconnect sign? Like I'm gonna take the little note. I'm telling you, the little note thing. Please do not turn off. That's gonna be my living room. Oh my! Know what I'm gonna God. do? I know just enough about electrical to be dangerous. I'm gonna disengage the light switch. 
Oh my god, Capital. good luck with that. That's how anyway, dies. Anyway, with the <laughs> deluxe set costing $350, including a copy of Nintendo Land, and a $800, or excuse me, a $300, 8GB, <laughs> Bill is deeming it Tard Pack without <laughs> the game. That's the first thing everyone's like, oh yeah, that's good. People are bitching about the price, but it's more or less the same as what the 360 launched at seven years ago. But then again, that was seven years ago, and the Wii U is barely more powerful than the 360. Yeah, so it's not... You know what pisses me off? Literally the only thing I read about at all about the Wii U is that it doesn't come with a sensor bar. Do you see that? It requires a sensor bar. It does not come with a sensor bar. Because they assume that you already have one from your Wii. What? You can buy a sensor bar, but it does not... Come with a sensor bar. Uh, the, uh, Annie, excuse me, the, the deluxe pack has a, a stand for your gamepad. That's all you really need. <laughs> Does yeah, not come with a sensor bar. There must well just be a note in the box saying, throw your Wiimotes away, dickheads. <laughs> what the fuck do you even have? No, they really? require a sensor bar for that. play. It just does not come I didn't with even it. think about that. Because you just take the sensor bar from your oh, Wii. Is, I mean, it is true that if you already have a Wiimote that you're planning to use with... Mm-hmm. The Wii U. It's the only it way it can be $350. They're not selling you a sensor bar. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Hopefully not that many games require a sensor bar. What, you mean all the shit. ones that require the, yeah, the controller? Too, yeah. To well, play? that's a good point, actually. Like, because uh, say you buy a Wii U, mm-hmm. and you, you know, because it's backwards compatible, plays Wii games, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to play nine-tenths of the games without a sensor bar. Hell, you can't even use the menu. So all the people who are hoping to sell their Wii to get money to buy the Wii U Oh, that's are interesting. Oh, I didn't think of not those people are going to get more than five yeah, dollars. Yeah. The market's already so saturated. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no people are complaining about how steep the price is, which is it, for old tech. Uh, the, the, it seems like the only thing that the Wii U has over the PlayStation or over the, uh, I guess either like over the PlayStation or the Xbox 360 is that it has a two gigs worth of memory, mm-hmm. whereas uh, I think the Xbox 360 is half a gig, mm-hmm. and the PlayStation 3 only has one quarter of a gig. Really? Yeah, I was looking at the the, the memory uh, stuff today. The comparison. Huh. Yeah, I guess that's one of the big problems programming for the PlayStation Three. Oh, is that, that sucks. Lack the lowest memory. common denominator. You have to program for the lowest. Yeah, common denominator. is really like is a chokehold. It's a, it's a hmm. bottleneck for like. See, I don't think about that because I every time I bought a console, I just went for the big version. Yeah. I just saved my my Skrilla until I could afford the big version because why bother? Yeah, and Nintendo isn't talking anything about like that's online connectivity. Somehow you will be able to play online, but they're not talking about like what the service is going to be or anything like that. Well, didn't they come out and say there would be? Oh no, that was just for Japan. See, I've very I've read very little. Well, there's going to be a Nintendo Network thing. Yeah, like actually, I think maybe here in America too, you, it comes with a subscription, like to the Nintendo Network Premium, which sounds mm-hmm. like Xbox Live Gold. Mm-hmm. But like that sounds more like it's social media stuff rather than like head-to-head gaming. Hmm. They did announce like Black Ops Two is coming to the Wii U, and you'll be able to play online. They said there's also like friend code stuff still. Oh man, that's, that's what I'm saying. Dumb... And the fact that like this is this this comes out in two months, and they're still playing. Well, I don't know what we're doing with the internet. You'll find out more about that later. It does not speak to how good their online shit hmm. is going to be. It sounds like it's, that's going to be another clusterfuck again. Well, it's it just speaks that it's nothing to brag about. Yeah, you know, it's like it's something that hey, you guys are going to be mad about. The fact this. they're still going to have friends. Get mad a month little... and a half, everybody. Yeah. Well, the interesting too is they announced that they're not going to set be selling... your butts to hurt. They're they're not going to be selling extra game pads. What? You're not going to be able to buy another gamepad? They they say it's because none of the games are going to support two simultaneous gamepads at the same time. Mm. They said, and well, people point out what happens if your gamepad breaks, and they said just get in touch with us, we'll we'll help you out. Oh man, Which, that's kind of oh, weird. that's such a nightmare. And that's speaking as a manufacturer who when something breaks, you have to contact us to replace stuff. Yeah, Boy. Nintendo's already kind of has a hit 
a history of being pokey when it comes to replacing stuff like that too. Uh, it sounds like they 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 just want like in Japan. I think one of the game co- a gamepad costs like one hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. I think they just want to avoid that whole conversation here in the states of like, like they, they already have a system that is being perceived as being overpriced. And mm-hmm. when you throw in the factor that like a uh, controller will cost half as much as the console does, mm-hmm. there I, I can see that's why they're not selling gamepads individually too. Because that's just going to yeah. be a clusterfuck. And. Uh, yeah, so it's weird that the pack-in for the deluxe edition is Nintendo Land too, because that is the most casual kind of game you think. If anything, you're gonna put like a game in there. It's gonna be Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, like or some sort of party game. Like, you well, know. I guess Nintendo Land is a party game because it's supposed to be up to four players at once and stuff. Oh, like oh, okay. Yeah, no, it is. Like, it's it's kind of like Wii Sports where it's designed for a whole room full of people. Oh. So no, that, I'm not saying Nintendo Land's bad, but it's funny this premium system is supposed to be more for the core gamer, but then they. Like the one it's game not they a put in there, game. yeah, it's not a really core game. It's good to show off your parents or like, your, like you know, your nephew's kids or something like that. But yeah, so anyway, what does this look like to someone who doesn't understand video games? This is gonna look like a fucking what? I always wonder about this. Like, what is it? You you know, when your mom goes to buy you a console because you got good grades, yeah, and they go to the store and like, I want an Xbox. And you're like, which Xbox? I want a Wii. There are 14 Xbox. Yeah. At least the PlayStation 3, they've been consistent. Like, I think they like, the systems are exactly the same except for hard drive size. Mm-hmm. And oh, also, too, like, the the Wii U, only the, the biggest hard drive is only 32 gigs. Mm-hmm. But they said that the games will be coming on a Blu-ray disc that contains 25 gigs of memory. They're using a Blu-ray for, they the, said, for the Wii U? I think they said it was Blu-ray, but they have oh. not announced whether or not it, the, the system will be able to play Blu-ray. Well, just that they're using Blu-ray technology. Yeah, I think it is. Um... And people point out that's great. You can install one game onto your hard drive, <laughs> uh, but I think uh, you could, you'll be able, uh, be able to connect external hard drives to the Wii U, so you know you could have almost unlimited space. Assuming yeah. that, I don't think Nintendo has actually been very clear about that too. But yeah, that's the weird thing with like yeah, at least PlayStation Three, at least uh, their different SKUs or whatever the hell have always been the same, except for well, at least ever since they redesigned the console, mm-hmm. you know. The only time there was like a functional difference in between the different consoles is as when they uh, first ditched backwards compatibility with PlayStation Two games. Yeah, that's the only time that where there was an actual functional difference between the systems. Well, you know what? I I remember I got I I got a console. We got the PS Three that has backwards compatibility. Yeah, I can't think of the last PS Two game I actually played. I still want to go back and play Final Fantasy. 12. I was gonna say Final Fantasy Twelve. That was the last one. Yeah, I got you like know? I got like five hours into that. But that's yeah, of all the games I want to go back and play, that's the one. Well, they've also been pretty good about bringing about. HD remakes of yeah. good PlayStation. Oh, I games. bought I bought the Shadows of Colossus Ico um, remake. Oh, I just got it. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I got it. It's, it's twenty it's bucks on Amazon. Pretty. I mean, so. for being an upraised yeah. PlayStation Two game, uh, Wii U discs can hold up to twenty five gigs of data, like a Blu ray disc. Oh, okay, it's not actually yeah. maybe that that maybe, would have been a little too much in bed with the enemy for it to actually. Yeah, be that's Blu-ray. true too. Well, Nintendo kind of did the similar thing where like the GameCube discs were propri- proprietary. Yeah, like I think those were DVDs, but they were like. They, they were like the eight centimeter DVDs, yeah. so yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, they probably just developed their own their yeah. own uh, software platform then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that comes out in November. Uh, United States is the first country to get the console. It comes out a couple oh, really? weeks later in Japan and, and Europe. Huh. And uh, yeah, is uh, that a first? Hasn't it always launched in Japan? First? It's been kind of wibbly. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this for first Nintendo console in a while to probably launch in America first mm-hmm. by only a couple weeks though. But yeah, I guess. Uh, Amazon is not doing pre-orders for this. Doesn't look like it. it it's doing pre-orders. Which Didn't they Amazon's, not do pre-orders for the 3DS? No, Amazon for the last couple of years, Amazon's had this weird thing where they do not sell like 
they'll sell used Nintendo uh, software or sell through third-party vendors, but Nintendo is not sending any fresh stock directly to Amazon. No one knows why. They must have had a margin-pissing match. Something happened there, There yeah. is no other way, because Amazon must have tried to use its clout to get a better margin or something like that. Well, so, but uh, Ninte- one of the big things about Nintendo, the Wii U, is it's got a TV streaming service. Mm. It's called the TV, T-I-I-V. Uh, that lets you, it's supposedly, supposedly, it's almost like an RS feed for all your different video content. You just plug all in your information. Hmm. And then, like, it'll, like, supposedly, like, just, like, play, like, if you want to watch, like, uh, just a TV show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, between, like, Amazon and Netflix and stuff, yeah. a lot of these TV shows are on, on separate things. Like, this is, like, you could just, I think it... It'll be an aggregator? Yeah, kind of like an aggregator like that, huh. or something like that. I haven't seen the specific details about that. And frankly, I'm down for it, because all the splintering... Like, because Xbox's <laughs> exactly, answer, yeah. they have all their video stuff now, mm-hmm. and supposedly, quote-unquote, Bing is there to help you sort through it. I fucking... There are so many ways to stream video on the Xbox, and it is all noise. Yeah. And it's not really clear to me what just has a clip, or what has a full episode, or yeah. So what. Nintendo seems to be kind of progressive about that with this TV service. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that one of the content providers is Amazon. Hmm. So everyone's kind of like wondering what the hell the relationship is right now because. Oh, that, well, here's the thing: the streaming arm of Amazon. And no, I'm sure it's a different thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the retail. Yeah. Yeah. As two different two different families, right? But there. Uh, GameStop, I guess, has already sold sold out all their allocation of pre orders for the Wii U. Wow. Yeah, that that like that sold out. Or I think like it was their deluxe. Days. Their deluxe. Yeah, I think so. Wii U. I saw actually Fred Myers is doing a thing where you can put down uh, you buy like a one dollar card. Yeah. And you you better do yourself. that, Bill, because yeah, that's gonna be the only way. You're gonna get it. Um, but yeah, so that's the Wii U. That was the big uh, news of the week. That and the iPad, or not? They did not end up revealing a mini iPad this week, huh? Mm-mm. It was just the iPhone five and new iTunes. Oh, and I guess a new iPod Nano. New iTunes. iTunes eleven. What's up? I looks like the it's like a glossier, sleeker design. Just a new interface. Yeah, it doesn't sound like functional. They got rid of Ping. Finally, finally they gave up that on that poor fucking system for two poor years. Ping. Not that they ever tried to do anything to promote I was gonna say, they it. They launched that was dead it. on arrival. That was it. Yeah, well, that was one of those things that very clearly someone said we should have social. Meh. Yeah, we're and not going to think it through it, very well. But, but then that was very clearly someone told them to do that. They grudgingly programmed it in, and then because yeah, they never followed up on it or anything like no. that. They, they released it and that just sat there and no yep. one ever used it. Yeah. yeah, and so it sounds like it. Yeah. I want it, I, like, my knee-jerk reaction was, what, are they going to fix it? Because iTunes kind of chugs on my computer. And then I remember it's because I have 18 weeks worth of music in there. I've got to leave out a video. Too. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Lord. I, find, I cleared out most of the video that was clogging up my iTunes mm-hmm. because I forgot I had it set up to auto-download all the video that we buy. Yeah. And my wife and I, we stream a lot of video off of, we'll buy, like, seasons. I need to start doing that, and yeah. Stuff. But the thing is, I mean, it was clogging up my computer. I had, like... 57 gig of Good Wife and oh, Adventure Jesus. Time and Legend of Korra yeah. and like all this other shit. I'm like, man, I'm just gonna just downloading the last couple of Doctor Who episodes. That's like you know five or six gigs right there yeah. just for a couple episodes because those are like a gig and a half up to two gigs per episode. It's so weird to me that I can talk casually about downloading and deleting gigs of data because it's easier for me to stream it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember back in the day, right I wanted to watch George Lucas in Love on the internet. It was a 25 meg file. I had to download it. It was so slow, I just bought the VHS. It took me forever to download this animated GIF of Emma Watson dancing with it Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> oh my god. All the gadget taking your tops off GIFs. 
took forever to download. I sure bill my um shame on me. Now I'm I'm pulling a bill on me in the Starbucks. Okay, now I'm ready to share my thoughts. Alright. <laughs> I sure bill my, my, my theory of Googling that if you Google image search anything, if you get deep enough in, you will find porn of gadget from Rescue Rangers. It is Annie's rule of gadget porn. <laughs> which is different different from other gadget porn. You need to come up with a better title than gadget porn. Uh, can we call it tip porch? <laughs> Annie's rule of gadgets. Do we ma- wait, where did the tip porch come from? <laughs> You're talking about how Elizabeth in, in, in Bioshock Infinite has a tip porch. Can we name this episode tip porch? Please do, Bill. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> Yay! Mom, never we're listen gets, to tip porch. We have so many listeners from uh, people who love titty-oriented uh, podcasts. <laughs> do you know, have you ever looked at our our Google search terms? No. The number one search term that people come to our podcast looking for is cartoon sex. Really? Number one. The Legend of Korra sex. Have number we two. done? We've, really? We talk, yeah. But how have we, like, have we ever used sex in any kind of, like, terms on the podcast? I don't know, man, but there are people, they're coming to us for... We did, we did spend up. a lot of time talking about Korra and Asami just banging the <laughs> shit out of each That's other. That's not true. No, um, the, uh, like, the number of people... This cracks me up, though. Not only people who find us looking for cartoon sex, but stay. They're like, really? this isn't cartoon sex, but I guess it's, you know... I will stay here. It's two fat people to basement talking about horse fucking, so it's the next best thing. So we should talk about gadgets being naked more often. <laughs> oh Let's see how this how this helps our, our search terms. Hey, everybody, this is the Boy Hattie Ooh. Podcast. Can you believe it? The Boy Hattie Podcast. You just listened to it. I'm Annie. This is Bill. As always, we're Boy Hattie Podcast, or excuse me, boyhattiepodcast.com or just boyhattie.org. Um, you can holla at us. We're at Boy Howdy Podcast on the Twitters. Howdy at boyhattiepodcast.com. Yeah, and if you have Western recommendations for Annie, please submit your Western thoughts and feelings to me. You can at Spoonooty, S P I N O O T I. Of course, at boyhattiepodcast.com, there is a contact form. Feel free to use it. I will add your Western suggestions to my spreadsheet. And we'll see how far I can go. Yeah, this is going to be your fall of the Western. I'm going to watch a lot of Westerns. Yeah. I have kind of an inkling and an idea for a Western in the back of my mind. And I'm going to try and um, mire myself in Westerns. Steepen them, if you will, to see what rises. You're not in a position to talk about it, though? It's it's just the, the kernel of an idea. It is really... I'm really bad about coming up with ideas and images and emotions. Mm-hmm around the subject that don't necessarily fully materialize. This is my constant problem with my Robin Hood stuff. Yeah. It is more emotion and tone and I feel it rather than vividly. a whole plot to hang it on. Yeah. It is like it is like a like the blood that thrums through my veins as opposed to a plot. It's not very helpful. It's very fucking poetic motherfucking brain. Anyway, this is actually a plot that's kinda of, it will be something my mom cannot read. Okay, we'll do some more editing. <laughs> Okay, we gotta put on four. What's the end? We gotta edit something better than that than Annie rambling about something she will never do. The theme of her life. Can the hero, does she start spontaneously lactating in the desert? Oh, God, all right. That's the only way she can survive. All right, friends, we'll talk to you next week, as always. That's the only way she can survive. Can you die? Just like by drinking your own breast milk? I'm leaving now. Bye, friends. I just imagine this poor woman nursing for herself. So raided by the sun on the back of a rickety old horse. She's gonna be like 11. That makes it even worse. Oh. What is she? Is she gonna kill people when she's eleven? Maybe. <laughs> anyway, friends. This is why you gotta read the Dark Tower books. <laughs> it's all cowboys and terrible things happen to it's people. It's not about cowboys, dude. Mm. It's about people who live in the South. It's very different things. Anyway, friends, talk to you next week. I love you. Bye. Go to sleep with an image of a cowgirl nursing <laughs> no, herself in the sunset. Don't, don't. We are off, aren't we?
game this week. <laughs> really off our game. Uh, bye, guys. Bye. Come back someday, I guess. I hope oh, please to... stop. Hit stop. Oh, what is wrong? What kind of masochism is this? Podcast? This is literally sadomasochism. so bad that we can't stop. <laughs> I'm still trying to find a good way to end this. It's this never going to happen. Hit stop. Wait, now? <laughs> hit stop. Why? 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 Why?